1: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 125 of the Spurs Up show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Game day is finally here. i got a packed show for you guys as I break down the Gamecocks game Saturday against North Carolina. Uh, I'll give a full breakdown on UNC, the biggest storylines in the game, key matchups to watch, keys to the game, my prediction, and much, much more. Also, have some news and notes to get to, including the two deep depth chart being released, my SEC gambling picks, and a fantastic interview with former Gamecocks Titan Andy Boyd as we discuss the 2019 football season, his thoughts on Jake Bentley, the schedule, his playing days at South Carolina, playing for both Lou Holtz and Steve Spurrier, and much, much more. Before we get into all of that, this is a podcast presented to you by our friends over at Tannehill's Group Therapy. Tannehill's Group Therapy, the oldest bar in five points, owned by legendary USC quarterback Steve Tannehill. They have got phenomenal specials, you guys, including Taco Tuesday, Wing Wednesday. They're perfect if you're a local here in Columbia and you want to grab a bite to eat, or maybe if you're in town for game day, or heck, if you just want a fun night out in the town, Tanny Hills is the way to go. Again, that's Tanny Hills Group Therapy located down in Five Points. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. All right, I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show, as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Game day is finally here. It's been a long off season, a long countdown. Been counting down the seconds this week, but game day is finally here. Gamecocks taking on UNC 330 on Saturday afternoon at Bank of America Stadium on ESPN. Before I dive into that, as you can probably see if you're watching the podcast right now, which if you're not, you should tune into YouTube and watch it. It's some good stuff. But either way, you can probably see on the table. And you guys hear me talk about them a lot. My buddies over at Columbia Craft Brewing Company. I just want to give them a quick shout-out. I'm actually enjoying an IPA right now, which I'll take a sip. Don't mind if I do. But you see, I got the, uh, the past tense IPA here, 7.1%. If you're in Columbia, do yourself a favor. Go check out Columbia Craft Brewing Company. Those guys are phenomenal. I mean, the beer's phenomenal. The location's phenomenal. The venue, the people are phenomenal. Be sure to go check them out, grab a beer, let them know Chris recommended you to go. They would enjoy hearing that as well. But Columbia Craft Brewing Company, man, I got to give these dudes a shout out because I'm always drinking their beer, and it is just phenomenal. So, and I feel like I've said the word phenomenal now about a thousand times. I'm going to stop doing that, but uh, no, Columbia Craft, man, awesome people, awesome stuff. So, like I said, game day is finally here. I mean, it's been a long, long off season, we finally. I was telling my buddy this the other day. I was like, we can finally start talking about an actual game where things will happen. We're not just, like, fabricating, like, off-season stories and just, you know, talking about what made this or try to make a – you know, this is actually concrete football we get to see on Saturday. And it feels so, so good. It feels so good. Um, like I mentioned, Gamecocks taking on North Carolina 330 on ESPN at Bank of America Stadium. The line in this one has been really, really interesting to me. Gamecocks over the off-season – opened up as a seven-point favorite. They're now sitting as a 10-and-a-half-point favorite. So money is pouring in on South Carolina right now. Over-under is set at 63-and-a-half, which, if you guys heard my best bet, the Daily Crow of the other day, the best bet, I, I think the under here is stealing. This feels like too good to be true. I don't know if Vegas thinks we're gonna score 40 or if it's really gonna be a back-and-forth high-scoring game, which I don't see. Um, but anyways, USC a 10.5-point favorite, over-under set at 63.5. The series history in this one, North Carolina actually leads the series 34-19-4, and which I thought was really, really interesting because you remember USC used to be in the ACC. Um, so North Carolina's got the better of the Gamecocks in regards to that. But the Gamecocks have won, it feels like, every meeting since then. I mean, the Gamecocks are, are won the last meeting 17-13 to in 2015. And South Carolina, I think, hasn't lost to a team from the state of North Carolina since 1999. And I don't think they've lost to UNC since 1991. So it has been a long time since North Carolina was on the, was on the, uh, the right side of things If you were, or on their side of things that were victorious. A uh, little bit of an injury report here. We found out Tuesday, Will Muschance Presser. Kierre Thomas out for two weeks, I think he said, with an infected ankle. Um, Evan Henson also no longer on the roster. I know he was already out anyways, but Evan Henson transferring to play basketball. So he is no longer on the roster. Um, But obviously the loss of Keir Thomas, you know, it's a tough one. It's one of your seniors, one of your guys up front. And I know Gamecock fans are hearing me saying this, and they're moaning and groaning like, oh, my God. Here we go again with these injuries. And, you know, I'll just say it is football. Guys are going to get hurt. I agree with you to a degree that it's insane, that it feels like it's always the ankle, always the leg, always a guy on defense. Like, it just you know, it, it feels very repetitive. But either way, Gamecocks are pretty healthy going in this one, I would say. Really, Keir Thomas being out is the – and obviously the other one's like Keel Pollard and Evan Henson, but the tight end position obviously has been hit by injury like crazy. But Keir Thomas out for two weeks. He should be back hopefully for the Alabama game and what it sounds like, which would be big for South Carolina. But either way, um, losing one of your guys up front like that, a senior nonetheless, uh, it sucks. It sucks. Let's get into the UNC breakdown. Let's break down UNC a little bit, get to learn about those guys. Mac Brown, as you guys all know, is the head coach. First-year head coach at UNC, but he has been there before. Mac Brown was the head coach in the late 80s, had a lot of success at North Carolina, went to Texas. Will Muschamp was under him at Texas, obviously, as you guys probably know. Uh, but Mack Brown, the Mac is back, as they're saying in Chapel Hill. Mack Brown trying to bring Spark back to a program that went just 2 and 9 a year ago, 1 and 7 in the ACC. Obviously things have fallen off greatly since, I mean, what was it? A couple of years ago, UNC was playing Clemson in the ACC Championship. And now UNC is a program 2 and 9, 1 and 7 a year ago. I mean, just things have really gotten rough in Chapel Hill. So Matt Brown obviously brought in try to turn around the program. I think you've already seen some good things he's doing on the recruiting side of things early on. Um the Heels are starting a true freshman at quarterback. I think that's a huge storyline in this game, which let's go ahead and dive right into the storylines. Uh, you know, like I said, UNC starting a true freshman at quarterback, Sam Howell. Um, Sam Howell, kid, his recruitment was very interesting, actually. He was committed to Florida State and then flipped over to UNC. So UNC able to get him. Now he's their starter as a true freshman. Uh, three starters returning on the offensive line for UNC, 48 total starts between those guys. Uh, another big thing, another big storyline, UNC without its top three defenders um, due to suspension, linebacker Jonathan Smith, linebacker Dominique Ross, and cornerback Patrice Renee. Those guys suspended for different reasons, one for academics, two for their involvement in a fight against NC State to end last season. But UNC, a team that, listen, they're very young, they're very depleted, they don't have a lot of depth. Um, even coming into the first game of the season. So, you know, you just to give you guys an idea, I mean, you take a look at this roster, and I think I said it when I did the key matchups on the Daily Crow, and I'll talk about here in just a second, but, uh, you know, when you take a look at this roster, this North Carolina roster and this 2D, you know, you respect your opponent, right? But as fans, we can call it as we see, it, and I can certainly call it as I see it. This is not a very good North Carolina team. Like, Let's just say, this is not a very good North Carolina team. When you factor in the inexperience on the line, at quarterback and defense, everywhere I mean they've got a decent running back which I'm going to get to in a little bit but you know North Carolina really a lot of inexperience all over the field let's get into some of the bigger storylines I know I mentioned the one specifically about UNC but the bigger storylines surrounding this game the first one you have to talk about is Matt Brown against his old old assistant and Will Muschamp I think that's one that's very very interesting Um, you know it's funny people were telling me God I would love to see us run up the score on UNC I would love to see it, too. I don't know if Will Muschamp would be willing to do it, though, to be honest. I know, you know, people are going to probably get on me because why are you talking about running up the score? We just need to win the game. But, you know, just hypothetically, just a fun hypothetical, if the Gamecocks were to go out and dominate, which I know we all like to see, you know, would Will Muschamp sort of ease off the gas pedal a little bit bit because it's his old, you know, his old boss. Um, Either way, that Matt Brown-Muschamp matchup is definitely one of the – I don't know if it's quite talked about as much as some of the others, um, but I think it is something interesting to keep an eye on as we go into this game on Saturday. Another huge one that came out this week, the usage of Dak Joyner. The carry-on Joiner, Will Muschamp saying in his Tuesday presser that they plan to use him in some capacity. When asked at what position or how, he said, you got a ticket, come out Saturday, you'll find out. Which kind of set the world, set the internet on fire. The Gamecocks' Twitter world, social media world, everybody went crazy, obviously. Dak Joyner sounds like he's going to play. Um, me personally, I think we'll see him at the quarterback position in some capacity in some sort of special package, if you will, because it's funny, what I've been telling people is that, you know, Ryan Alinsky won the number two quarterback job, no debate. But I think we're going to see Dak Joyner at quarterback more than we see Ryan Alinsky. I just think that they're going to be able to use Dak Joyner in red zone packages and different packages. Now, does he play at another position on Saturday? I mean, who knows? Maybe he does, but maybe he doesn't. I mean, Who knows? That's kind of the thing I think that's got us all so intrigued is, like, where does Dak Joyner fit into all this? Because Will Muschamp made it pretty clear, like, he's going to play. And I'm not saying that everything that Will Muschamp says at a presser is true because that would be a complete lie. But, but uh, no, I, I, I actually do expect to see Dak Joyner. If South Carolina can get a lead and get some of the right situations, I think they're going to put Dak Joyner out there. So that's obviously a huge storyline to keep a, uh, keep an eye on. Another huge storyline: Redemption in CLT, redemption in Charlotte, and the Gamecocks go back up to Charlotte, get the monkey off their back, get the bad, horrid taste out of their mouth for themselves, their fans, the administration, the program, and put that Virginia game behind them and go up, go up to North Carolina, go up to Charlotte, and win a game over UNC. I mean, that—that's to me got to be a big storyline because the Gamecocks looked just so bad the last time they were there they look so bad I mean we all know the belt well I don't explain to you how bad the belt bowl was so the Gamecocks again getting redemption is going to be a huge thing for South Carolina I'm sure internally it's something they're talking about is making a statement you know starting 2019 off on the right foot but also kind of getting some revenge for what happened at the end of last season um I talked about already getting to a fast start in 2019 with this tough schedule. I think it's a huge thing. You've got to start off on the right foot. Jake Bentley beginning his senior season as well. Um, How does Jake Bentley perform? You know, again, I I don't think Jake – the quarterback two situation or the quarterback two scenario, if you will, that scenario I think kind of took some of the attention away from Jake Bentley. Um, I don't know that people are really talking about Jake as much as they were. Um, and it's funny how much more excited people get for a guy like to carry on Joyner or Ryan Holinsky than they do Jake Bentley. But this is Jake Bentley's senior season, and he gets to start it off in Charlotte, North Carolina, on national TV, on ESPN. Um, <clears throat> how does he perform? You know what I mean? How, how does he get his season started off? Because I think it's so important, not just for this team, but for Jake Bentley to get started off on the right foot. You know, because there's already, you know there's already going to be fans clamoring for Ryan Holinsky. Clamoring for to carry on, Joiner wanting the next guy in there. You know the backup quarterback's most popular guy on campus. And if Jake Bentley can go out and play well, so let's say throw for two eighty, three touchdowns, no picks. If he can eliminate those mistakes, but get off to a good start against North Carolina, you know I'm not saying the whole rest of the season's going to be just hunky dory. Nothing's wrong, whatever. But it's going to go a long way because the last thing you want to see with Jake is. Go out there against UNC, a team, again, that you feel like you have the advantage over at all these different positions. But go out there against UNC, make the same mistakes you've made, turnovers in the red zone. You know, again, this entire program, this team but this entire program, this fan base, it needs something to feel good about. I mean, South Carolina fans have had to sit on that wall performance for the entire offseason. So, you know, we, we've talked about before, and I've talked about it, this team getting off to a fast start. It starts with number 19. Number 19's got to have a good game on Saturday. Um, another huge storyline, just replacing Debo Samuel. I think we're going to get the first look at this Gamecocks offense without Debo Samuel. How? Who steps up? Is it Shy Smith? Is it Brian Edwards? Is it Tavian Feaster? Is it Rico Dowdle? Is it Josh Fan or Trey Smith? The list goes on and on. But who is – is it maybe a freshman like Xavier Leggett? I mean, who knows? But who is that guy going to be? Because, again, first time we're seeing this offense without Debo Samuel, I'll, I'll actually say – the last time we saw it without Debo Samuel was the belt bowl, when you couldn't get anything done, when you couldn't score any points. So how does this Gamecocks offense, how much different does it look without Debo on the field? I think that's something to really keep an eye on on Saturday. Uh, my final big storyline to keep an eye on is just simply, and it's one for the whole season as well, but the return of the Goon Squad, and I put a question mark at the end, and I, and I know these guys are making their own legacy, so I don't want to label this 2019 defense of the Goon Squad, but like... When I say the Goon Squad, I don't even mean particularly that name. I just mean, is this, the, is this the return of the Gamecocks having a dominant defense again? Or at least a defense that can win them games every now and then and keep them in every ball game? Because I've talked about it all offseason when I previewed the defense and other times that this is the best defense South Carolina has fielded since 2013. Not even close, in my opinion. I mean, you look at what South Carolina has. You've got the defensive line. You've got the – pat, you know, D.J. Wantham back from injury. You've got pass rushers. You've got size on the interior. Your linebackers should be a lot better. I know they're, they're probably the weakness of the defense, but your linebackers should be a lot better. You've got T.J. Brunson back. You've got Sherrod Green. You've got Jamar Brown. You've got Ernest Jones. You've got uh, Racindo Lewis. Eldridge Thompson is back. You know, you've got those guys. You've got the guys in the secondary. I know the depth is a question. But you've got guys in the secondary that can make plays. You have as much athleticism, if not more, than you've had since 2013. Now, let's face it, you, you have as much athleticism as you've had on the entire defense. Now, can the Gamecocks go out there and execute and put it all together? Because I think this could be a huge day for the South Carolina defense. Again, you're facing a true freshman quarterback, an inexperienced offensive line, again, a running back who's solid, but nothing crazy, nothing like you're going to see in the SEC at Bama, Georgia, you know, Florida, Tennessee, wherever, you know what I mean? So, you know, is this the return of the Goon Squad, or is this the return of the Gamecocks having a dominant defense that can just go out and set set the tone for games? Because even in the Gamecocks glory days, when the defense necessarily didn't win in the game, I just feel like South Carolina's defense always could set the tone. They always set the tone in the game. And that's what South Carolina's been missing, I think, the last couple of years. You know, you look at last year. I mean, the game, I mean, obviously injuries played a huge part, but you know, since Muschamp has gotten there, we have not seen that Will Muschamp defense, and I think we're finally going to get the opportunity. I'm hoping, fingers crossed, to see that this year. Let's get into some key matchups for this game, key matchups to watch. I talked about these on the Daily Crow yesterday, so if you've already seen them, I apologize, but these are the key matchups in my opinion to watch. I think will go a long way in determining this football game. I'm going to start. I, I just talked about it, the line of scrimmage. I'm going to start on the line of scrimmage. That's defensive lineman Javon Kinlaw against running back Javante Williams. Javante Williams is a true freshman last year. Ran for over five yards per carry. Didn't have a ton of yards, but when he got the football, was productive. From everything I've seen and read about this kid, people in Chapel Hill really do expect him to be their workhorse running back, to be their number one running back. Um, it's going to be so imperative. you know. A, a guy like Javon Kinlaw is a guy that I've talked about all season that is prime for a big year. People have got him projected as a first-round NFL draft pick. You know, the the list of accolades goes on and on for Javon Kinlaw from preseason All-SEC teams the preseason All-American teams. I mean, everything you name off. Can Javon Kinlaw come out of the gates strong and put it all together? Because my biggest critique of him last year was, and again, not all his fault because he was doing it by himself, but the inconsistency. You know, Javon Kinlaw would have a monster game or a monster half and then disappear. And that just simply cannot happen this year. Again, I think it won't happen as much because he's going to have a lot more help up front uh, to his left and to his right. And the other thing with this, this matchup here is so important to me because UNC, you have to think that UNC is going to, at least early, and I would really just say throughout the game, they're going to try to rely on the running game because you have a true freshman in Sam Howell. I cannot imagine a scenario where they're going out there asking Sam Howell to throw the ball 40 times against this South Carolina secondary. Um. So, Javante Williams, that's a name you should be hearing a lot on Saturday. As I think they're going to really try to force feed him the football. Obviously, games are one in the trenches. Who can run the ball? Who can stop the run? Things of that nature. That's going to be a huge matchup to me, and I think it's one that South Carolina, not giving a prediction for the matchup necessarily, but I think South Carolina could win. I like Javon Kinlow in the matchup, but it's a big one nonetheless. Uh, my next key matchup, sticking with the line of scrimmage, but going to the other side, the offensive side for Carolina. Center Hank Manos against defensive lineman Jason Strobridge. Jason Strobridge, a senior this year for UNC, one of the few seniors uh, on this UNC team. Five and a half sacks a year ago was a solid force for them inside. Hank Manos, obviously, this being his first full year as the Gamecocks starter at center. Obviously, Donnell Stanley slides over to left guard. Manos won the position battle in the preseason. Um, This is a big one here. And, you know, I'll be completely honest with you guys. I'm I don't know if nervous is the right word, but I will be keeping a very close eye on Hank Manos on Saturday. Because to me, when you're starting – and this is something I got into the conversation with Andy Boyd, which you'll hear in just a little bit. I got into this conversation with him a lot. When you're starting a new center, you know, if you have a really good center, you can build a really good offensive line around him. But when you have a bad center, that's just going to throw everything off. Because your center is the one making all the calls, all the checks. That's that's the quarterback of the offensive line. So – To me, it's it's just going to be very interesting to watch. I mean, again, the Gamecocks breaking in a new running back. or You know, you have Rico there. But the Gamecocks are going to try to establish the run. you got to give Jake Bentley time to throw, obviously. And, again, if the center position's not on, everything else is thrown off. Look at the belt bowl against Virginia. That was the first time we really saw Hank Manos in this role. He got the starting knot against Virginia. You know, got pushed around, got shoved around, and not looked comfortable. You know, we can just call it how it is. Um but overall, again, from what everything I've heard, he's put on weight, he's transformed his body. A guy, Hank Manos, should be a really good player for South Carolina, but you got to go prove it. And you have a stern enough test to where, again, I will just be keeping a very sharp eye on that matchup, Hank Manos against Jason Strobridge. My final key matchup to watch. It's wide receiver Shai Smith against free safety Miles Dorn. Miles Dorn, another senior for this UNC defense, a big bodied guy, six foot two, two ten. Had two interceptions a year ago, which was tied for the team lead. Um, you know, South Carolina, obviously, I expect them to throw the ball a lot on Saturday. I expect them to throw the ball a lot, air it out. I mean, South Carolina's got weapons all over the field. Um, Shy Smith, to me, a guy. Listen, that Brian Edwards is the true is the number one wide receiver. I don't think you can debate that anyway. But I think Shy Smith is a guy. Again, I talked about one of the biggest storylines: this offense without Debo Samuel. And I think most of us or a lot of us think that Shy Smith could be that guy that's going to replace Debo, that's going to be that playmaker for South Carolina, that's going to be Jake, one of Jake Bentley's go-to guys, if you will. The one reason or a big reason why I think this is such a key matchup for me is because Shy Smith can do one of two things. One, he can certainly win this one-on-one matchup or just his one-on-one matchup in general, you know, eat up catches, yards, touchdowns, whatever. Be a productive player, be that playmaker. What he can also do and what, in turn, that does, even if he can't necessarily be that guy, just the threat of a guy like Shai Smith. When you have a guy like Debo Samuel, it opens up everybody else. Because, see, I fully expect Brian Edwards to be double-covered when we start this game. I expect Brian Edwards, you know, they're going to key in on him. He's the number one wide receiver. I'd be surprised if they don't, because I think Brian will beat him one-on-one. That's, and that's kind of the point I'm getting to, is that I think if Shai Smith can come out early, show that he's a playmaker, be effective. It's going to open up the rest of this offense. It's going to open up Brian, Ortre, Josh, Randricus, Xavier Leggett, everybody else. It's going to open up everybody else to make big plays. So I think Shai Smith winning his specific matchup, his specific battle with Miles Dorn is going to, is, is going to be big with this Gamecocks offense and kind of opening things up for South Carolina kind to of be able to spread the football and throw it around. Um, let's get into the keys to the game. Keys to the game for South Carolina, keys to victory. First one is simply to me, start fast. You've got to start fast in this game. Listen, Gamecock fans have had the entire offseason. Sorry, guys. The entire offseason to sit and think about what happened the last time the Gamecocks were at Bank of America Stadium when they took on Virginia. Um, wasn't pretty. 20, 28 nothing Shut out. I mean, hell, the last – what is it? The last uh, – Six quarters of football, Gamecocks have not scored a point. You know, listen, I'm not saying the season's over if it's 0-0 after the first quarter, but you're going to have a lot of restless South Carolina fans. I mean, I just think one of the – it is so imperative to me that whether you get the ball first or whether you kick it, UNC gets it first, you either need to go down and score or you need to get a three and out and get the football back or get a stop and get the football back. It's just going to be – for the for the psyche of this fan base, the psyche of this team, it's going to be so important to me to start fast, get off the schneid. We all know the whole – because we don't need the whole countdown. Because you, you know – I mean, you know this for a fact. If South Carolina – if it's 0 to after the first quarter, people are going to be tweeting. They're going to be tweeting. That's seven quarters now without a score. That's eight quarters now. You just – you just don't – want to let that continue you don't want to let that linger any longer than it has it's already been way too long in my opinion so get out of there get or go out there start fast score early put that all behind you and let's focus on the 2019 season because again Gamecock fans I think a lot of Gamecock fans are going to be having a lot of horror nightmarish memories from Charlotte the last time they were there and the last time the Gamecocks played there so starting fast to me just a major key to this football game for the Gamecocks to have a fun day on Saturday. My second key to the game, bring pressure. Bring pressure. I don't know what the Gamecocks defensive game plan is going to be 100%, but if it's not stack the box and make Sam Howell beat them with his arm, I don't know what we're doing because, you know, I don't care how talented this kid is, how talented a recruit he is, he's a true freshman. And he hadn't seen a defense like South Carolina's it will be the first college defense he's ever played against. Um and I think the Gamecocks defense has the opportunity to have a field day, a field day on Saturday against this UNC offense. I mean, it's, that's why the over-under number to me is so puzzling because, again, 63-and-a-half. I mean, I just don't see any way in the world. If UNC scored 21 points, I'd be shocked, utterly shocked. I really would. I mean, I think this Gamecocks defensive front is going to have the opportunity to eat. I think South Carolina should bring a lot of pressure, force Sam Howell to make bad decision and throws before he's ready. This Gamecock secondary will be there ready to take advantage. Ezra McCwamu, J.C. Horn, R.J. Roderick, J.T. Ebay, Jamie Robinson, Cam Smith, Shiloh Sanders, Jamel Cook. The list goes on and on of guys that will be waiting in the wings, waiting for that pick. Uh, you know, I, I'll go ahead and predict it right now. I think this is a game where J.C. Horn gets his first career interception in South Carolina. Um, so, bring pressure to me, a key to the game, because I just don't see a scenario in which, you know, unless Sam Howell is the next Trevor Lawrence, I don't see a scenario in which Sam Howell is just going to be able to beat you with his arm alone. So, bring pressure to me, another big key for South Carolina. And then my final key to the game, my third and final key, is to minimize the first game jitters. Listen, it's opening day for everybody, right? Everybody is going to be nervous. The adrenaline's going to be pumping. This is a South Carolina team that is a veteran team, especially on the offensive side of the football. Get rid of the first game jitters. Come out ready to play. Treat it like any other game. We know this is a team we talked about emotion-wise. We talked about it with Jake Bentley, but seemed to go through the highs and lows, the peaks and the valleys. And this team needs to come out, treat this as a business trip, treat it as business, go out there, take care of your business, get 1-0 and move on. None of this bull crap. Be, we don't need to see all of the the false start penalties and the offsides and the stuff that Will Muschamp actually talks about that takes no talent to do, to be smart, to play hard. You know, I mean, everybody gets them. and I think the freshmen you'll see will probably have them a lot more, but those first game jitters, um, minimize those as much as you possibly can and keep this game simple. Keep this game simple, because to me, it's a game where you are the better football team. You, You are. I don't think I don't know anyone that's debating that North Carolina is a better football team than South Carolina. So you are the better football team. Go out there. It's a business trip. Handle your business. Get 1-0 and get the hell out of there. Um, so again, keys to the game. Start fast. Bring pressure. Minimize first game jitters. Now, for my prediction for the game. Again, Gamecocks, North Carolina, three thirty at Bank of America Stadium. South Carolina's last trip there was abysmal. We all know that. Um, my prediction for this one, not to spoil it for you guys or ruin it, but it's going to be very similar to what I gave um, this summer when I had the, uh, the season preview with Brad Crawford. Um, my overall prediction for this one, though, listen, I-, I think South Carolina is the better football team. I think South Carolina has more experience. They have more depth. They have better athletes. They just have better players all across the board. Um, the more that I look at this game, and again, I think you're seeing it. I mean, South Carolina starting as a seven-point favorite, now 10 and a half. I think people are starting to finally pay attention which I couldn't believe it was ever a seven-point spread or even seven-and-a-half. Um, so, it being ten-and-a-half now, I think people are starting to pay attention a little bit. The Gamecocks are just a better football team all the way around. And to me, what I've said this offseason, you know, is that, you know, it's an opener. As long as you win, a win's a win. You know, that's everybody. A win's a win. You get to 1-0, oh well. But I'll tell you, man, this is a game to me where South Carolina really needs to come out and show something. Like I said, you are the better team. There's no debating that. Like, you are the better football team. You have better athletes. And how poorly you looked, how poorly you looked your last time in Charlotte. Like, you know, again, I'm not sitting here telling you that if South Carolina wins by a touchdown, the season's over. I am certainly not saying that. But what I am saying is I think it's important for South Carolina to go out there Saturday and look impressive. I, I think it's important to not just win, but look good doing so. Because, again, just because of the way you looked last time you were on the field, you haven't scored a point in six quarters. I think it's so important for South Carolina on Saturday to get a double-digit win. I mean, again, I I just – a win is a win in an opener. Sure, we can throw that around. We can sugarcoat it that way. But if the Gamecocks, to me, if they don't get a double-digit win on Saturday, I'm going to be a little worried. I'm going to be a little concerned. I'm not going to lie to you guys. However, my prediction, I think the Gamecocks do get a double-digit win. Again, I just think South is going to come out with a with a focus. They know what happened the last time they were on the field in that same building. I think South Carolina comes out wanting to prove a point. Um, I'm not predicting the blowout. Maybe some are, um, although I mean it's still kind of a blowout. But I've got the Gamecocks winning this one, 27 to 10. I think it's a little bit of a lower scoring game just because it is an opener. I don't think teams are going to be as sharp. I think the Gamecocks. I'll be honest with you because I see this game. You know, being 27 to 7, maybe going to the fourth quarter. Like, I think South Carolina will control this football game. I, I don't, I think South Carolina will control this football game. And I see you'll, I think you'll see South Carolina put a lot of their twos in. I think you could see Ryan Holinski. I think you're going to see a South Carolina team that really wants to force the issue with running the football. So I, I don't think South Carolina is going to score 45 points or anything. I think it's going to be a more of a slower paced game. Again, I could be wrong because the Gamecocks could want to go up tempo and throw it all over the yard. But, I don't know. Something tells me that I think it'll be a little bit of a slower-paced game. South Carolina maybe won't be quite as sharp on offense as they will be down the road. Um, but the Gamecocks get the win, 27-10. to 10. They get the win comfortably. They move to 1-0, and 0, and all is well and good in Gamecock land. The 27-10 to 10 is my prediction for the game on Saturday. Uh, so let's get into some news and notes that sort of tie in with the game as well, but just some other things that came out this week. The two-deep depth chart being released for the Gamecocks, obviously, right. I think it was just right before Will Muschamp's presser on Tuesday afternoon. Either way, um, some of my biggest takeaways from the 2D, which I'll keep these pretty quick. Because I know I gave them on social media as well. But my biggest takeaways, um, I think the one thing that stood out to everybody is Rico Dowdle being RB1. I think that was something that surprised a lot of people, that Rico Dowdle got the nod as the number one running back. You know, from things I heard, I thought, I think I posted this on social media, uh, from sources I talked to, the arrival of Tavian Feaster um, – you know, really lit a fire, lit a fire under Rico Dowdle. And Rico had been a different type of player since that happened. Again, I think it's going to be a scenario where, listen, Rico's listed as RB1, that's great. I think they even have Or on the depth chart, if I'm not mistaken. I can pull it up. Um, I think – yeah, they have Or beside Feaster and Denson's name. So, <laughs> I mean, you still have the Or option there. But I think what's gonna, what it's going to be is it's simply going to be Rico and Tavian Feaster are both going to get an opportunity. One of those two guys is going to pull away and be the guy. I just, I do not see a scenario. I do not see a scenario where where both guys are getting split carries the entire year. I think it's going to go between those two guys and one of those two guys, whoever gets the hot hand or whoever's just just better, is going to be the starting running back and be the number one running back for the Gamecocks. I think that's a situation that's going to play itself out. Um, The other thing that was interesting Rick Sandage not being on the 2D. Rick Sandage, a guy that I've, I'm really expecting to have a good year. And again, I think it's weird on defense because the defensive depth chart, you see the two deep, but so many guys play on defense, they play in different positions and slide around. And it's not quite like offense where it's like you're pegged here and like this one guy plays the whole time. So Rick Sandage not being on the two deep, two deep though, was kind of interesting. I know a lot of fans were surprised about that as well. I was as well. So uh, very interesting. We'll have to see how much Sandage plays on Saturday. Zach Pickens, opportunity to start. Um, you know, obviously he was listed second string, but behind Keir Thomas, who is out for the game on Saturday. So what it's sounding like to me, or excuse me, Pickens was behind uh, Javon Kinlaw. But with Keir Thomas being out, I think there's a good chance that Pickens maybe could start. I expect him to see the field a ton, as he's already, you know, made his way up to the second string. I think Pickens is going to be a big-time player at South Carolina. But, uh, you know, Zach Pickens for the opportunity to play a ton being that high up on the depth chart is a true freshman. Obviously, the guy is sort of just panning out the way that we all thought and hoped he would, but very interesting there as well. Um, also, Josh Van being the number three wide receiver over Ortre Smith. I thought that was something that, you know, was – I don't know if I really expected especially you're hearing all the positive things about Ortray and how this has been his best camp at South Carolina. He looks like a different player. I sort of worry about, you know, I think he's healthy. It sounds like he's good to go, but is he himself again? I don't know what to see, but Josh Van. what I'm really hoping is that this means that Josh Van has finally stepped his game up and going to be, you know, the guy that we all thought he could be at South Carolina. So, I'm thinking Josh Van could be that playmaker we're all hoping to see. Um, All right, cool. So, let's get into – I was debating whether throwing these out there or not. I'm going to go through them pretty quickly because I did it on the best bet on the Daily Crow. But for those of you that maybe did not tune into that, didn't hear it for whatever reason, didn't see it, whatever, what I'm going to start doing this year. So, I give my best bet – and I've been, I did that all last season, for those of you that tuned in. I give my best bet for South Carolina games, you know, what, if you're, if you're going to bet on the game, whether it's the line, the over-under, whatever. And I figure, hey, why not expand to all SEC? Give my picks for each SEC game. Um, and these are actual picks. I mean, I would see – I'm a person – I'm not going to bet on my own team. I'm not betting on South Carolina because it just ruins the game for me. But these are actual picks that I'm giving you that I will be betting on or will, would be betting – yeah, that I will be betting on. So, I want to give my SEC picks to you guys. I'm going I'm to obviously keep the record. Let's make some freaking money this season, huh? I want to make you guys some money. Why not? I figure, why not? It'd be fun for me to do, be good for my brand, what I'm trying to build. And I want to I make, make my fans some money. I want to make the listeners some money. That's, that's the bottom line. So, pay close attention here. Let's go through these SEC picks. Tech, I'm going to run through them pretty quick. Texas St. m against Texas State. Aggies are a 33-point favorite, over-under 56-and-a-half. I like the under 56-and-a-half in that game. Kentucky-Toledo, Kentucky an 11.5-point favorite, over-under set at 61. Take Toledo, plus 11.5. I think Kentucky's getting way too much love this offseason. Ole Miss at Memphis, Ole Miss plus 5.5, over-under at 67. I like Memphis to cover here. Memphis covering the 5.5. I think Ole Miss is a bad team this year. Um, Mississippi State at Louisiana Lafayette, or Louisiana as they're now called, which is a really interesting matchup, interesting road trip for Mississippi State. Mississippi State, a 21-point favorite, over-under 59. I like the under 59. You guys will probably notice I like a lot of unders. Um, I like a lot of unders in week one just because I don't think teams are quite as sharp. But I like the under 59 there, Mississippi State, Louisiana. Alabama, Duke, and Atlanta. Bama, a 35-point favorite, over-under set at 57. I like the Crimson Tide as a 35-point favorite to cover. A wise man once said – you nobody ever gets rich betting against Alabama. Take the Crimson Tide to cover thirty-five. Tennessee, Georgia State. Tennessee's a twenty-six point favorite. Over/under set at fifty-seven. I do like Tennessee to cover. You know, no offense to Sean Elliott. Sorry, guys, but I think Tennessee comes out wanting to prove something in Week One. I think Tennessee gets a big win. I'm thinking something like forty-five to seventeen or something. I think they cover the twenty-six. UGA at Vandy. Nightcap on SEC Network. UGA a twenty-two point favorite. Over/under set at fifty-seven and a half. I like the under 57.5. I would not touch Georgia with that 23 number. I like the under, though, again, kind of a sloppy game back and forth. Georgia gets the win. I don't know if they cover, but I like the under there. Uh, LSU, Georgia Southern. LSU, a 27.5 point favorite. Over-under set at 53. I like Georgia Southern here. I like Georgia Southern plus 27.5. Again, I just think the number you're telling me basically that LSU can win by 27 points when we win the bet. Give me Georgia Southern plus 27.5. Auburn and Oregon and Dallas, Auburn a three-point favorite, over-under set at 56-and-a-half. Love Oregon. Love Oregon to cover the plus three and win this game outright. Again, I think Auburn's another team. That I don't know they're going to be nearly as good. I know they're good on defense. I don't know if they're going to be nearly as good as everybody's trying to give them credit for. I don't think Gus Malzahn has a job at the end of the year. I like Oregon to win and cover the plus three. Missouri at Wyoming, Missouri an 18-point favorite, over-under 52-and-a-half. I mean, there's just nothing to say in this one, man. Mizzou's going to cover the 18. They're going to score 70 points like they do in all their non-conference games. And everybody's going to hype up Mizzou, like they're the greatest team in college football, and it's because they're just playing nobody. So, there you go. So, that's the SEC picks. Um, I'll probably tweet them out on Friday – or, let's see, probably uh, tomorrow, actually. Because, let, let's see, Texas A&M plays – I'll tweet them out Thursday morning. I will tweet them out Thursday morning. Let's just say that, because I want to make sure I get them out ahead of all the games. But excited to do the SEC gambling picks. Obviously, the best bet is very fun. But to do the SEC gambling picks, I'm very, very excited to bring that to you guys each and every week. And like I said, let's make some freaking money, man. Um, One last thing, new pieces of content. Just I wanted to touch on really quickly. You guys may have seen the check down with Courtney Hall uh, is a new piece of content we're doing. Courtney knows football like crazy. Very, very excited to bring her on. She's going to be bringing deep analysis, breaking down different plays, breaking down things that maybe the common football fan doesn't see, and Courtney does a great job with that. I'm so, so excited to bring her on. We dropped the first piece on, uh, on Tuesday. Did really well, so I appreciate all you guys tuning into that. Also, behind the beak, episode one. At this point, you've probably already seen episode one, which was a brief, brief introduction. Um, but things are really going to be cranking up, obviously. Going to, this, going to Charlotte this weekend, being at the game, Things are going to get nuts, so I'm so excited to bring that to you guys. Again, stay tuned for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, again, I think it's unlike anything else that you're seeing in South Carolina Gamecocks content, so I'm excited to get that rolling. Uh, so let's get into some listener questions here. i <clears throat> got a ton of listener questions. Let me pull these up really quick. Okay, got a ton of listener questions. Appreciate you guys leaving. I know we're all pumped for kickoff, so I figured this would be a pretty good pretty good day or pretty good podcast for questions, so I really do appreciate it. B underscore Baker 19, O-Line has a stellar day. Gamecocks rush for 200 plus and roll 31 to 13. That's not far off from what I said. So, no, I like the pick. Um, I I think South Carolina fans would love to see this offense go for 200 more 200 or more on the ground. Um, let's see, Brian, Ferdig Jr. Okay, Brian Ferdig Jr. Sorry, I couldn't read it there for a second. What's What's the best streaming platform to watch the game? Uh, I think if, if you're talking about the South Carolina North Carolina game. I would probably just say watch ESPN. I mean, that's probably going to be the best one. That, that's what I actually use. It's funny you say that. That's what I use. Um, Connor underscore Jennings, 35-10 to 10 final score, USC dub. I like it. Uh, Emory Moore Jr., tight end situation is something to be concerned about. You know, I mean, yeah, anytime you have that many guys go down, it's certainly something to be concerned about. You know, I think that uh, – I think the Gamecocks will be okay. You'd love to see Nick Muse get his eligibility. I like Kyle Markway, the position. But certainly, when you lose a guy like Kiel Pollard, who we all expected to be such an impact player for the Gamecocks, it's tough. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely something to watch and you know have some have some concern about for sure. Um Gamecocks.country, ready to hush delusional UNC fans. Couldn't agree more. John underscore Wilgus underscore IV The Carolina thirty eight to thirteen. I hope we I hope we make a statement and we shut the Tar babies up. I love that. Um, underscore J Blanc thirty one to thirteen Carolina like that score. Clark SP34, how is Joiner used? Hopefully not like McIlwain and everyone knew it was coming. So I think this will be completely – because I saw that – you know, I saw some other people comment that as well. Like, well, you know, the whole using a quarterback, or the special packages never work. Look at Lorenzo Nunez. Look at Brandon McIlwain. I mean, guys, do you not remember the teams those guys played on? I mean, Lorenzo Nunez, the one year we saw him, he was on one of the worst South Carolina football teams we've seen in recent memory. And Brandon McIlwain in that 2016 team, that team wasn't great either. So, I think it'll be a lot different if you see Joyner using the package because South Carolina actually has weapons. Uh, you know, there's I think is probably more talented than both of those guys. So, I think Joyner is using a sort of special package at the quarterback position, but we'll have to wait and see. Again, if they use him outside at different, any different positions, I think it'll be very interesting, no doubt. Um, Clark SP34, again, score for game and stat lines for Bentley Feaster. Game MVP on offense and defense. So, the score for the game, I got 27 to 10. I think Jake Bentley goes 21 to 28. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, I think Feaster probably has 50 or 60 rushing yards, but maybe we'll give him a touchdown. Game MVP for offense, I'll go Brian Edwards. Uh, for defense, I'll go J.C. Horn. I think, I'll, I think I'll have a pick in this one. Uh, Quentin underscore Looper, I'm going to the game. Me too, bro. Come holler at the tailgate. Bledsoe, twelve eighteen. how will Dak get used in game one? Again, I think he's going to be used just as a quarterback and just special packages, to be honest with you. Um, let's see. Hold on, I lost my place here. <laughs> lost my place. Here we go. Lost my place. Maybe that's all the questions. I think I did – I think it is all the questions. Oh, no, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Okay. Um. Brendan Calvert, do you think the Game Gamecocks can win by 21-plus against UNC? I'm talking about an absolute blowout. I mean, I think they can. I think South Carolina's got the team. Just how well is South Carolina clicking offensively? Can they force Sam Howell into some really bad decisions? Maybe a pick six, maybe a turnover, scoop and score, you know, a turnover that leads to a touchdown. If things like that start to happen, then I think this game can certainly get out of hand. Um, I'm not picking it, like I said, which I still think 27-10 and 10 would be – a butt whooping like there's no question but no I think this I think South is capable I think they're very capable they just got to go do it um the moose is loose he says USC 37 to 14 I mean yeah that's not a bad prediction at all um Danny Rosario how do you think our defense will play against a freshman quarterback I think they'll feast I think they'll eat all game I think it's going to be yeah I think you're going to see a defense that is very determined to make Sam Howell look as bad as he possibly can um, last question dot equatro. Good luck Gamecocks. Beat UNC. Hell yeah, I agree with you. Um all right, cool. So man, very excited for this game. Obviously, the first game day, I guess you could say podcast, I don't want to say game day cuz we're not actually I'm not recording this on game day, but the first podcast previewing the game like I mentioned on the Monday show, this will be the format going on from here on out. Monday I'll give a recap on UNC, Thursday I'll give a preview on Charleston Southern. We will roll all the way through until the end of the football season which these shows are so much fun. I love this. I, I love the fact we actually have football to talk about. I have a fantastic interview for you guys as well, former Gamecocks tight end Andy Boyd, a friend of the show, friend of mine, someone I've had on the show before, is always good for conversation, good for really, really good, high-quality conversation. I mean, Andy, I know he wouldn't mind me saying this, is a guy that I think could probably talk for hours um, if we had enough time on the podcast. But, uh, no, Andy, a great dude, man. A guy that we talked – we dove a lot into the tight end position, the offensive line – um, his playing days a little bit here and there, but also, you know, really dove into the 2019 game box, schedule, you know, what he's looking for, what steps he thinks the program needs to take uh, in regards to this season and beyond. Uh, so, a fantastic interview, and it's brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek, the best ticket buying app by far, the only ticket buying app I use, and the only one that I'd recommend. They've got tickets to literally anything and everything, but most importantly, they have got your Gamecocks of all tickets. Guys, if you don't have your tickets to the game on Saturday, you're running out of time. If you can't make it to Charlotte, but you're going to some home games, you're going to road games, if you need tickets to Gamecocks sporting events in general, go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to get $10 off your first purchase. They've got a great ticket rating system on SeatGeek as well that really does all the work for you, so you know you're getting the best bang for your buck. You know you're getting the best deal possible. They rate, Like I said, they, they – they rate the tickets for you. Um, it's really that simple. Again, it gives you that peace of mind so you know you're not overpaying because you're going to know, hey, am I getting a good deal here? Am I getting ripped off? You're never going to get ripped off again. I mean, it's, think about the old days. We were scalping tickets from guys, and we were just having to, you know, make up prices and stuff. This makes it so much easier. Also, if you want to go to any other sporting events, MLB, NHL, NBA, um, NFL I probably already said but concerts comedy club events doesn't have to be sports literally anything and everything you get t- uh, tickets to SeatGeek has got it so again with our friends over at SeatGeek go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-U-R-S-U-P to save $10 off your first purchase alright enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks tight end Andy Boyd All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up Show is a man that played for Gamecock football from 2003 to 2007. He finished his South Carolina career with 13 reception, 194 yards, and four touchdowns, playing for both Lou Holtz and Steve Spurrier. He's been on the show before, a friend of the show, and a friend of mine as well, Andy Boyd, a former Gamecock tight end. Andy, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's appreciate a pleasure you, to have you back Absolutely. on. Yes, sir. So let's, uh, it's funny, we're having a good conversation all fair, let's start back with you. Obviously, you're. we talked about this the last time you were on, you were recruited. As a defensive player, you played both both ways, defensive end, tight end, whatever. But I want to talk to you more about, you get on campus, 2003, you're with Lou Holtz. Just kind of talk about, you know, what that transition was like from high school to college and playing for a legend like Lou
2: Holtz. Um, So, just a quick fact, 2002 was my first oh, time. Oh, 2002. No, God, no, I no, honestly, I uh, always tell people, and it's just something that, honestly you know, and I can't imagine even older people going through football the way college football is and stuff too. But my, my last year was the last year that they had full two a days. So from 19 straight days was two a days every single day. Um, and even coach Holtz is, uh, you know, was just learning, you know, all of a sudden first time being from home, you know, it's football that doesn't end. I mean, Mm. as they say, it is eat, sleep, shit Mm. football. Right. I mean, it's two weeks of it. And, uh, you know, obviously it was adjustment. I mean, just from how much is being thrown at you, the long days, the grind to going through summer camp. And usually the afternoon practice was always at a, a solid, like four, four thirty in the afternoon. Mm. So hottest point of the day. And I mean, it did. I mean, I even tell people practicing out in that atmosphere. I mean, you kinda you gotta get your
0: mind <laughs> mentally right, prepared
2: right. of like, I want to be here. I want to do this. Right. You know, this is the challenge I'm trying to go for every day. And it is, I mean, um, you know, and even with some of the kids, even that I've coached and that are playing college ball now, I'm like, dude, your first year is the hardest year. Right. Every day's different. It's just a long season. But anywho, went through camp two-a-days and then was, you know, fortunate enough. And a lot of it was much, honestly, like the tight end position right mm-hmm. now where Hart Turner was starting, Brian Bilo was two. I was number three. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, really, there was only four of us, I think, at the time. Right. So. Honestly I had opportunity to come out there and play early and stuff, but a lot of it was special teams role and it wasn't until a latter part of the year that I actually started playing. But um yeah, I mean on, you know, looking back, just going from how fast camp was going and you thinking camp was never gonna end.
0: And right. then
2: all of a sudden it is stadium full, <laughs> lights are on. It hits you fast. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it is it is kickoff. I mean, I can remember that even, you know, first first game was Spurrier. I mean, mm. remember that kickoff oh, I right? yeah. just energy how you know how pat the place was i mean it is it's just again football is just as much even as a physical game as it's more mental than anything you have to have that mental aptitude believing in yourself Mm.
1: it's crazy because you say as a player but even as a fan it's like football season we count it down i mean we literally started 100 days sure and we count it down and then every year for me i can be honest every single year like i was watching florida miami like oh i can't believe it's here like i can't believe football like i just you are just getting this law? I feel like where you're counting down. You're like it's never actually going to get here. No, and like you I said, mean, it just you don't have a preseason in college where it's like we get to kind of ease into it. It's like boom, you're on the field on time. the big stage, national TV. Sure.
2: Like no, get, I mean you know, getting after it. It is. It's crazy. Even seeing a game and obviously hearing other radio shows through the week talking about that game and a lot of it is. It's just you know the last time those dudes played was in a bowl game. Right. You know, that's where you're seeing a bunch of mistakes, you know, just ball-head plays or penalties, things like that. I mean, even Coach Brown for uh, Chapel Hill, I mean, he even talked about it today. You know, it's like it's the biggest gap, mm-hmm. you know, and that's kind of where those keys kind of have to come across and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, who's not excited about football being back on the TV? Yeah,
1: for sure. I, I was going to say to you, isn't it crazy that two-a-days isn't a thing anymore? Yeah. <sighs> Because, I mean, it, it's funny. I always think when you say two-a-days, for whatever reason, my mind goes to remember the Titans when they're, like, sure. oh, yeah. they're practicing in the morning and sure. you see them out there at night. And well, I mean, Coach it, is like, we'll stay out here all night. Until I mean, you. I'm like, that's not even a thing anymore. No. Like, it's just great. Mm-hmm. Like, like kids don't even realize, like, how mm-hmm. good they have it. Like,
2: you know. It's, in living – I mean, literally, since I moved down here, went the school I've lived here? And, I mean, even on the hot days that we have here, I'm just like, there's – I like – it is ingrained in my head. Like, I can remember being out there on the field. It's hot. It's humid. And, <laughs> and just, South Carolina and heat, just too. Just grabbing my shoulder pads and pulling them off my chest and just feeling the radiant <laughs> heat just fly out. And it was the only way to kind of cool yourself right. down a little bit. But, yeah, man, I mean, it was. I mean, it, it, you know, just the whole aspect of going how long of a season is compared to high school. Food. Right. I mean, yeah. goodness gracious. And, I mean, just the amount of practicing that goes on. Um, But it is. I mean, it really is. It's a mental – Middle test of where you're. Did you they know, did part. they ban two days at every level? Is that no, no? Like, can high schools do it or? Now that's the thing. I think a lot of them where they are able to like not get away with it, but what right. is allowed um, is a lot more. I think it's like walkthroughs. Mm-hmm. So they'll have a walk through, middle walk through. You know, still run your plays, run routes, at ain't full speed. You know, they don't right. have a football out there or anything, but it's still it's getting those right, mental right. reps. Um, I know. I think believing with holes I mean, it was like you know we'd have a eight a.m. 9am practice. Um, and then that, like I said, the second one was like later in the afternoon, but mm. you know, even here in the, uh, you know, during fall camp with, you know, USC doing, you know, 150 play scrimmages, like mm. I went through that, yeah. you know, I mean, with Holt, I mean, it was, it was 150 plays. They were long film sessions, but right. it's, that's the part of the evaluation. And you got to learn to play, right. Learn, <clears throat> you know, it, it trying to simulate as much as you can, what game mm. speed is going to be like just, and that's the hardest thing that they always talk about is simulating that that right. aspect of the speed of the you, game.
1: You've been a true freshman before. We're, we're talking about South Carolina right now, um, this year's team. I'm just curious, getting from your perspective, mm-hmm. you're trying talking about simulating game speed and the mm-hmm. scrimmages. I mean, how much can you really do that? And this like versus when you step out on the field, like when the when South Carolina's freshmen right now step on the field at Bank of America Stadium, like how much different is it going to be than, a, oh. say, a scrimmage?
2: Night and day. Right. I mean, just that. You know, trying to get people's perspective too. Like when you're down there playing, once you've played, once you have that experience, when it turns around, that's football. Right, right. You know, it's just a game. Right. It's just a game. But now, don't get me wrong. I can remember the first play I played at USC, and it was the very first game I got to, you know, dress out for. It was right. against New Mexico State. Right, right. Like Hearts' jersey got torn. So we were two tight ends. I was the next guy up. Right. Like, but like, I remember running out there and just being like (laughs) you know just the pure adrenaline rush I mean you almost feel like you're floating like yeah you know everything you've been working towards everything you've been dreaming of here you are yeah you know so I mean it's but the same thing I mean running out to 2001 like same thing just the energy chills I mean Mm. honestly when I hear it love it when I'm at a game and I hear it like like goosebumps like back of my neck Mm. all the way down just total goosebumps
1: I feel like Holtz was a guy too that you get on that adrenaline that high and he would he would bring you back to earth pretty oh, pretty fast. Sure. And
2: I mean, honestly, his whole mentality was a how hard to practice. You know, he wanted to make practices that much harder. So when you right. got to game time it was easy. Right. And right. honestly, going through that really developed to me Like I, the game is the I, fun part.
1: That's that's the fun oh, part. You're supposed sure. to enjoy it. You're able to practice take it is on the tough part. Else. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I mean doing
2: how much individual are you doing every how long is inside on the Wednesday third, you know just that whole aspect and, you know, just going through the the different lots and really with Holtz and even how it changed with Spurrier was, mm-hmm. I'm not joking. The day that Coach Spurrier got there was the exact same practice. He ran throughout his entire tenure. <laughs> I'm not joking. And a right. lot of it is it's just, that's what he was comfortable with. And he was more of a rep guy. So how right. many rips can we get in a practice to where Coach Holtz, you better believe we were like, what's the schedule today? Mm, right. Oh, oh, we're doing Oklahoma today. <laughs> You know, like, oh, like it's yeah. half line. Like, you know, you just, same thing. It's like, it's like a mental test. Like, mm-hmm. you just got to get geared up. I mean, every day you got to prove that and yeah. compete.
1: Who was the dude in the Oklahoma drill? Because I, I know when you were there, I mean, God, you were, it's funny where I, I was going to make the joke earlier. It feels like you're like, you said you got there in 2002. Oh, I was God. like, you could have told me you got there in like 1998, oh, my, 2007. I can, oh, no, and I would believe, like, I think a lot of game fans <laughs> would be like, eh, that sounds about right. Yeah, that's yeah, great.
2: That's, but I think it was honestly, I, I was talking to Cliff Matthews or was just thinking about his classes Essentially, right, right. his freshman class was my sixth year right and like literally I thought about it and I was like yeah <laughs> like I started at USC and played mm. they were in seventh grade yeah that's just nuts <laughs> yeah, that's, just like, oh, that's nuts to think about but okay. no what I was going
1: to say though that while you were there I mean South Carolina had a ton of Top-notch defensive oh. lineman, interior. Who, who was For the guy sure. in the Oklahoma drill that gave you like the most fits?
2: Um, You know, even the developing part. And I, I think I even said it when we did that talk beforehand. I mean, truthfully, I, I remember going against the Travian Robertson's, the you know Cliff Matthews, mm. all these guys. Even Demarco. When Demarco actually started out, on Demarco's defense. a ball player, man. Oh, that's yeah. a ball player. And I, I mean, I can literally you know locking up with these guys. I remember going against Jasper and Casper. I mean, those two wrinkly brothers yeah. i promise you went against both of them battled mm. both of them right and it, and again i think a lot of it was just it's, it's the competition mm. you know and that's what's kind of even exciting even when i went over there this year for the spring game and looking at the eye test mm. to me the team looks
1: physically yeah i think ooh, we're in a good one spot one of the
2: best i mean that i can recall that mm. we've looked from top to bottom mm. you know so i that's what i'm excited even too with depth now having that depth people that can contribute throughout the entire year so mm-hmm. i mean it's, it's exciting
1: yeah you, you, you i was just thinking you talked about jasper that was a headhunter man oh, yeah. <laughs> i just i think of the hit he had at 2006 at mississippi state when he took down oh, yeah. uh whatever I mean, whatever the quarterback's yeah. name was but he i mean dude he and i think he had the hit on tebow too or oh, he yeah. like pile
2: drive him or well, pile drive him and when the crazy part was i mean even uh jester was I mean, huge Jasper was a big linebacker right I mean he was 250 260 right. and even he got hurt when was that I guess he got hurt in 07 was when he tore right. his ACL mm. and honestly even at that time Melvin Ingram was the next person right to put in that position what a, what a
1: name right right
2: <laughs> and, but I mean <laughs> it, but it's it, just to give people that aspect of I mean you know Melvin freshman true freshman they were trying to figure out obviously they knew what he just a phenomenal athlete that he was, but with his body type, where he was experience wise at the time trying to figure out where he was fitting, mm-hmm. you know, they put him at no linebacker. Right. And, you know, as the season went on and I think a lot of it, and believe me, I know, I know means defensive minded, but Jasper, everything was funneled back to him because he mm-hmm. was a sure tackler, you know, he was the guy to always make plays. And I think, you know, once, other talent and stuff in there, it helped because it exposed. But also, too, we didn't have crazy depth. Mm. You know, we had my, my senior year. I mean, golly, I mean, we knew, we knew we had a good shot. Right. But you know, honestly, it was it, it was about a two game swing. Yeah. So second half of Chapel Hill, right? Pretty much all the way through the do first. You, half. Do you
1: think of mentally it was more of what happened or physically? I mean, because it just the team was mentally, obviously good enough to go six oh my and one. Gosh. I 100%. felt there was – it seemed like a mental switch that second half of UNC. Just
2: yeah, right. And it literally it was just – Just lingered throughout the rest of the year. Band. And, well, and what was crazy was our offense kind of struggled early in the right. year. Defense was what was really propelling right. us. And then all of a sudden, like you said, all of a sudden when that switch I mean, finally our offense caught on. But at that point – Right. We just got worn out defensively. I mean, golly, I mean, I think we went against like – three of the top five finalists in the Heisman race that year. And that was right. Felix Jones, McFadden, and then t ended up winning it. t right. to I think, had seven touchdowns.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, I remember that one. You oh, know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember that one like, very and vividly. To go,
2: and to go from, like you said, even yeah. from a six and one down to that aspect of it was just, oh, it was gut-wrenching. I mean, yeah. I was senior year, didn't get to a ball game. And, again, it's a one.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think people forget about that, too, that uh, – South Carolina didn't get a bowl because of like right. they they took Bama so over South teams. Carolina. There's so many teams, yep, so which is crazy. I mean, just oh yeah, that's crazy to think about. It honestly is. So I, I want to talk about that 2005 UCF game. You catch a you catch a touchdown in yep. that one. We posted the highlight yep. a couple of weeks ago, but uh, you know, talk just talk about kind of the anticipation leading up to that one because I remember again I was at that one. I, not to make you feel, I was a oh. freshman in high school.
2: Oh no, but I, no
1: I was at that one. My grandpa, my aunt, just family. We were there. I just. You know the that off season felt even longer than a normal sure. one because everybody is like, you so know, I re- I remember specifically the first touchdown to Noah Whiteside. Sure. There was a fan behind me that literally said, "There was a fan behind me after we scored." Like he said, "It's no more of the run and run; it's the cock and fire." Like everybody was just so pumped yeah,
2: man. for that.
1: I mean, just talk about from you guys' perspective that anticipation leading up to that one and getting on the field, and that had to just be crazy,
2: I, right? And one, well, I mean, I think even how you know just into the Coach Holtz era, just that whole transitioning, you know, obviously going from one Hall of Fame coach to the next, you know, it was a transition for everybody. But I think even with what Coach Furrier doing when, when he got there and he just told everybody, it's just like, best player's going to play. Right. Don't matter if you're a senior, doesn't matter if you're a freshman, you prove yourself, you continue to prove yourself and compete, you're going to play, mm-hmm. you know, and believe me, that's why even with his quarterbacks, if these weren't doing the job. Right. Just yank them. Yank them out, you know? <laughs> and so – I think a lot of that aspect of it. And honestly, playing in that first spring game when Coach Furrier was there was.
1: Oh, I remember. That one, I remember literally at that spring game, the first time South kind of dropped back to pass, it was just like (laughs) everybody stands up. (laughs) Like there was like 35,000 people, like crazy, like craziness.
2: It it was awesome playing because it kind of gives you.
1: Right. You're like, oh God, like I better show (laughs) out.
2: (laughs) So, but no, I mean, even leading up to the game, you know, obviously, National TV. Spurs game day bat, game day yeah. everything you know and so i think i again i think even from a player's perspective it was to hurry up and get out there but a lot of it was, was shoot coming from a holtz offense being an extended tackle right To obviously having the chance now to catch balls well, great opportunity I'm, i
1: imagine your eyes did just light oh, up on you that you know when your play's
2: called <laughs> yeah i mean there's no doubt about it you're like, like all right don't drop just, this just one. be like is me like, this is, <laughs> as long as it works out, yeah. I should be wide open, then. right? Honestly, I, I was explaining it to a co worker with it, and I'm like, Man, that pit that Chris Clark ran was perfect, yeah. I was like, Honestly, it was. I, I feel like, like he
1: was an underrated player. Oh my I think gosh, Chris Clark yeah. was kind of underrated.
2: I mean, I, I mean, that's the thing he played because we came in together, mm. he played from true freshman to uh, or, or uh, Spurrier's first year, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was great player, you know, hard worker, just. Behind the scenes, but right. great player. Man. I'll ask you.
1: It's kind of a funny question here. What's the uh, what's the story behind Blake Mitchell's face mask? Did you guys give him crap for that? Because that's a, you know what's funny. I mean, I've been trying to get Blake on this show too. He's kind of an elusive oh, dude. Oh no! But, no no! no. I, right. I haven't been able to get in touch. And then we've gone oh, through the whole hilarious. the whole Facebook route. But you know, I mean, you've probably seen it. Every oh, time dude, a highlight you know, with Blake is put up, the face was mask. Just,
2: so stinking. Like. <laughs> Like just because honestly, that was like his call. He wanted that <laughs> the face thing mask. But when you think about it, that was like Paint Men's old face mask. Right. You know, so it was just that I, right. I don't know why. Believe me, I was so excited getting a different face mask that looked like a DB's face mask <laughs> rather than having like a D D-Tackle's yeah. face mask. Yeah. You know, all the time. Yeah, no, that's that's hilarious. That that is. Yeah, you know, that, it's you know, like every call because I mask. mean
1: I think it was yeah. that play. And somebody commented and was like is Blake Mitchell like the only quarterback in college football history yes. to wear an offensive lineman's face mask? And it's just like people love I mean,
2: uh, Oh, yeah, no, it, he, it was. It was just, you know, it is weird because it was like a low, you know, you know a low guard right, for like right. a chin area yeah. and stuff. But <laughs> Made no just, sense. Like, you
1: know, Made no sense. So I, I kind of want to tie this back into this year's team because mm-hmm. I, I talked to Pops about this, and I'm curious to ask you as well mm-hmm. because it's weird. When I think of Blake Mitchell, I think of a guy – underrated isn't appreciated enough mm-hmm. did did a lot with maybe not as not having sure. a bunch around him necessarily sure. um did a lot of firsts you know the game in Knoxville beating floor yep. I mean ton of firsts a ton a lot he, a ton he accomplished yep but it's funny I don't think of Jake Bentley the same way and Jake Bentley is probably going to shatter every quarterback record all the yardage mm-hmm. records touchdowns and I think Blake benefited and guys before benefited coming before Spurrier got it rolling where the expectations weren't crazy but like when you think of Jake Bentley like cuz like I said I think about it and it's like it just it feels weird to me cuz I'm like we should be appreciating what Jake's doing a lot more but because he came in at a time where everybody's like get the thing back rolling get the expect you know the expectations are so crazy like isn't it weird like how the way Blake sure. is looked at versus Jake is
2: looked oh, at 100% Well, I mean and yeah you're right I mean I think even a lot of cuz I
1: defend just, Blake a lot cuz I say oh, you know yeah. the offensive line was patchy while he was there it wasn't great 100% you know. And I, and
2: and honestly, I think a lot of it was, it was, it was trying to figure out what parts were going to work. Right. You know? And I mean, from time Goodsbury got there, cause I mean that first year I actually got hurt during that time. Mm. That's when I had my second ACL. Anywho, coming back. I mean, it was, I mean, it, you know, there were several, I'm trying to think was Nishan was on there. Chris White, uh, right. Chris White. Yeah. And then TC was on yeah. there. I know Fran played a little bit on there. Um, but, I mean, I and Seth, Seth Edwards, that was – and that was the thing because that was the year I came back. Like, I mean, the last, like, quarter of the season, last five games of the season, our offense was awesome. Awesome. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. Like you said, yes, there were people filling holes in spots where – I, mean, right, I right, right, Oftentimes, you don't always see it on the telecast, but when you watch Game well, Blake took some shots now.
1: He did. No, yeah, yeah, he, he, he got killed a couple of times. Oh, yeah.
2: No, I, I'd always used to give him grief and stuff, too, and he was just, like, talking about being tired. through yeah, camp. You are dropping back every <laughs> play, no one's touching. Like, I can be tired, but again, seeing him take some of those shots, I'm like, right? Oof. but yeah, no. With Jake, though, I tell you, the kid can throw a pretty ball, man. Right, and he's got the athleticism. And I don't know, I'm right there with you. It's just kind of like, right? It's like
1: bad timing, right? Like it's, I mean, like I think Jake could oh break every record. But if South Carolina goes six and six this year, nobody is going to put him even in the top five quarter. Sure, nobody.
2: Yeah. And and honestly, man, like again, ever since that kid, I've always loved his emotion, just how enthusiastic he is, too. But even as he's mature, it's almost something where you want to see that leadership. Right. Been there before. Right. Calm down. I I think
1: he kind of learned he had to do that after Texas A&M last year. Like, I I think that was the moment where, when he did the whole destroying the chair with his helmet. And I mean, I remember being like, Dude, that's just too this is too much. Like that's too much. Right. And and I understand it's like you have all this criticism and you're like overcoming it. I'm not trying to knock Jake Bentley out, but it's like you're saying it's the way he's grown as a player. And I think it could pay off big dividends this year if he can kind of keep it.
2: uh, And I think honestly, I mean, this is just outsider looking in. You really don't know unless you're there. Right. But in my aspect of looking at things, it was always, you know, always trying to stretch the field, always taking shots, always making a good place. Man you got athletes on the outside. Yeah. Like, and it, just honestly, get it to your guys, get it to him. Let him throw a quick ball. Right. Gives him confidence. Right. To completion, go let your athletes make plays, mm-hmm. you know? And again, if you're making uh, all that is the, the flare and little wide receiver screens is a modern day sweep.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just an extended run play pretty much in
2: space. Right. You know? And I think that's, I think that's what's even just, uh, you know, it, it really is. It, it, even I was thinking about on the way over here. I mean, Last year was always just like was, we were like a three quarter team, right? Three quarters solid. Mm. There was always one quarter, yeah.
1: and I always felt like we were down to start yeah. the game. I feel like we were always down, like we were coming, coming out of
2: half, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, yeah. It took us a while to finally get up going, but to me, I think that's the thing. Even looking at the roster, seeing how the depth chart came out, it is, it is great seeing how many people have experience right oh yeah be starting right but you got people that have gained oh, yeah. experience that's what's going to be encouraging to watch oh, yeah. and see and even see young guys how they're gonna mm. grow and but, honestly that's what they did in the spring game mm. and again it's spring game i know you know right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah seeing a bunch of screens a bunch of quick outs just let the quarterback get rid of the football helps right. the line out you know there's just a lot of benefit
1: there. right you being a guy, I feel like you can relate to this because you obviously went through the injuries you went through. Mm-hmm. But I, when I found out the Keel News, man, it, it hit me. like Because oh. he's he's just a guy – I mean, you talk about somebody who had a good spring game, and he had done it before that. But he blew up I, – I talked about all off season like – this is going to be a dude that's Jake Bentley's best friend, especially on third down. The tight end position. He's going to be a really good tight end.
2: Defensive end of the offense. Yeah.
1: And when I saw the news, it just hit me like a punch to oh, the gut. Oh,
2: I, and honestly, like I, when we talked about it, I mean, just, you know, at first it was cracked, maybe it to come back. And then like, yeah. when you found out that was over, you're like.
1: Oh, Entire man. career just done. Just oh, like yeah. that. And I'm
2: trying. There was someone that I played with kind of had the same, you know, misfortune, mm. whether it was, you know, something happened with like a bone or a right. break, just something out of football. And it is, it's tragic, but like, yeah, that kid could catch a ball and man, how fast he could get upfield. It was, and, and his, his energy, loved his energy. You damn, know what I mean? You know, like big player. And that's honestly, that's why the tight end position is such a weapon. Right. You got a good one. You can match up differently on some smaller bodies. Good. It's a great matchup. That's all good thing. I mean, look at all fair. the
1: great tight ends that have come through Carolina. I mean, yourself, obviously, but you oh, look God. at a guy like Jared Cook, but Jared,
2: and Hayden Hurst. Like, right. And the, I think, honestly, yeah. Jared. I think Jared is like a great example of honestly even where they are now. Because mm-hmm. guess what? They are having depth issues. So. Right. Having to supplement alignment as a tight right. end, but also too, this is an opportunity to figure out if there's not a receiver. To that, help that, supplement. Yeah. Well, it. that's what they
1: said. Keel actually started as a – he was a yep. wide receiver and yep. then transitioned to the tight end position. Do you think it's Do you think it's better to go from being a lineman to convert to a tight end or be a, like a receiver convert in that position?
2: Um, I, I th- you know, I definitely think it's probably more receiver right going down to that position because if you're athletic enough to work out and run routes, you know, that's something you can provide with reps to where. You're standing on two feet all the time, right. and all of a sudden you're putting your hand on the ground. Right. And even Jared at the time, God, wait, Jared was maybe two twenty-five, right? Maybe two thirty. That's the thing. He was just such a big receiver, and it was just like he was a massive dude. Oh, I mean, God still is. Crazy. He's still playing, obviously. Yeah, but 100%. I mean, with him, and even when Wesley was a freshman stuff. I mean, both yeah. those dudes were crazy good athletes. Right. I mean, it's way far more athletic than I was, but, like, a lot of it is it comes with knowledge, right, you know, right. and even as Jared was there, that's what a lot of it was trying to teach him, and just understanding blocking schemes, understand technique, because, again, you have to rep it out, right, you know, and it's a way for him to learn, but, yeah, I mean, again, Jared, shoot, I love that kid, I mean, I remember watching the Arkansas game, I think it was the year after I got there. Yeah, I remember I was at that one. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I remember watching that one, and I'm not joking, I think he covered, like, 20 yards in five shorts. Yeah,
1: that was the one where he had the, he had the cross the drag, or yeah. Yeah, the drag where he went up. Yeah. yeah. Right up the side. Dude, he was a – I mean, he was like a gazelle Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, Like, I feel like he almost – I don't want to say changed the position, but, like, he changed the way – it changed the way I looked at the position. At least. Oh, my gosh. Because you're like, like – you look at this freak,
2: like, And, and, and what even then came after him. And, I mean, that's right. why I even always reference it as the defensive end, because, dude, you get somebody that's super athletic, high balls, can run across the ball across the middle. Take the shot. I mean, how does a
1: linebacker cover that guy? Like, it's impossible. Right. I mean, there's just – Spreading the – Not I mean, many can.
2: And Jerry Grant, I think a four or three. Yeah, right? he was a – At the four. Yeah, was he was a speed demon. One. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's crazy. But that's I, why he's able to stretch the field. Right. And, you know, that's why those – And Hurst, I mean yeah. – huh.
1: Such a solid player. I mean, just
2: – And believe – Such it, a good football yeah, player. Jay, oh, my God. And just, again, seeing people of, like, that size, mm. you know, strong. And, and really even Hurst, just because he did the block. To, right oh you know, yeah you you do the both man that yeah that even only helps you that much more where i think even this year now that we have to you know and i know i read an article about the coaches saying having to figure out how to work in the o-lineman that's coming to play tight end. right right you know he's probably gonna have to learn to run a route or two <laughs> keep yeah. people honest yeah. i mean right i mean you just can't key that every right. time that's
1: I'm I'm excited for Markway. I think Markway can be a solid player there. Oh, yes. and I, I thought it was interesting on the depth chart. they right behind him. They got a true freshman, Keyshawn Tony. So, yes. I mean,
2: and that, and that we'll and it's see, new, right? <laughs> right? And it's a great yeah. opportunity, All right? Oh, and, yeah. and I mean, it's just as much as the DNs and the cornerbacks that went through it, or mm. sorry, the D line and quarterbacks that went through it the past couple of years, just trying to build the depth with young people. It's just where tight ends All are right. right now. You know, there's a couple guys in there, two or three guys young enough to start playing start contributing mm-hmm. and again live game reps go a long way yeah for sure you know especially having them that young will be will
1: be good I, I think one thing that's interesting about the tight I, I love that we've shifted the conversation mm-hmm. just the tight end position by sure. the way but I think one thing is interesting because you know the fullback is a position that is like died out right like they're, they're sure. like having a true that's why, like sure. to me it's so impressive that Pat DeMarco is in the NFL like he is a fullback and is playing He's at the right, high right. like I mean it's just it's all I mean that's how you know he's just sure. a damn I mean, good football at, player. That,
2: I'm sure you probably could go once the fifty-three man rosters go out, go through it and see Oh yeah, where are they full <laughs> I think I think it was last year when I was watching the Bears on a Monday night football game. Mm-hmm. I think it was, it might have been a couple of years ago. Anywho, they got the two tight ends down on the goal line and they got a backup D tackle. It, oh, yeah. it was two ninety one. Right. Oh yeah. They just ran a sweep and I was like <laughs> man, like I'd like to see this just kind of come out in the middle of the field, you <laughs> yeah. know, coming off a first Just down. use it. Yeah, why not? Like, <laughs> yeah. go after the 200-pound. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, that, it's just the mismatch. It, it, but it is. It, it When it's crazy, I mean, just even the Russian guys, how much everything's been stretched, how the game's changed. Everything right. used to be downhill, play action. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of it's just it is. I mean, the quarterback position is so important. Mm. And you have to be able to base everything off those strengths that's why certain you know quarterbacks run certain offenses right I mean it's just they can utilize their
3: skills
1: the best I I was gonna say though is it's maybe it's not as crazy as I think but it's like the fullback has died out for the lack of a better term are you surprised the tight end position hasn't like fell victim to that because it it, I mean when again a traditional tight end to me is like a another offense like it's a blocker pretty much and if you have a guy that can run
2: routes and catch it's a plus yep but and and honestly that's I remember, you know, watching the Ravens a lot, even last year. Stuff and even when Hurst, a lot of their backup players. That's what their primary thing was. Right. I mean, they were blocking dudes. Right. But Hurst went down. All of a sudden, they start catching balls. But it's it's like that across the league. Mm. But it is. I think it's fullback. Yes, I definitely think that's something that is almost dying away. It's right. Not right. much that you see because people
1: don't run in the I formation anymore. Right. I you mean, get, you just don't see
2: right. it. And and there's other ways to run power rather than having a fullback. You know, right. making run cues and all that stuff, mm-hmm. wasting a couple of people on a uh, on a big pass pro or something like that. But tight ends, a lot of the stuff with the tight ends is again, he's bigger blocker, right. and he can shift shift right back to a fullback position right. if you need be. You know, it's just the utilization of it. But again, you know, Jared at the time, he was he was kind of that stuck in a hard place. Right. You know, wasn't quite big enough really to be on the line to contribute, but was way too big a yeah. receiver to be on the outside. Right. But his body type, how big he was, how athletic he was, his reach, his range. Right. That made it a – you know, that made, that's where he's a weapon. Yeah. You know, and same thing with Hurst. I mean, believe me, the play actions, you could run off with that guy, In, mm. which they did. I mean, they did a lot of three tight end steps with him and Crosby, and I think uh, it was August. You know, yeah. those guys running a lot of hard play action, trying to establish a run game off that. But – um, no, nah, man, I wouldn't get rid of the tight end position. Believe me, I, I even say even <laughs> professional basketball players. Right. And, of course, you got your Tony Gonzalez out there and, you'll, you know, Antonio Gates. But it's like, you can't tell me you, you wouldn't like to have LeBron James. Like, dude, I'm only going to put you in on the 20-yard line. Right, right. You ain't got to touch. Game, you ain't <laughs> got play another Tony. Yeah, nah, just a mismatch nightmare. Just you, I'm just going to throw you, jump, i gonna throw you rebounds. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's, that's scary because those dudes are unbelievable yeah
1: it's it's i was talking about the eye formation it's so funny when like you know we do the countdown to kickoff videos and like mm-hmm. i post a video from us in the eye and you're like i don't even remember hardly what that looks like oh sure even because i mean even when teams are getting down there like the five yard line the two yard line i mean you're in spread and it, <sighs> i mean i'll never the one play call that spur called that i'll never forget it was after you obviously but it was 2013, South Carolina at Georgia. You may remember this. It was a speed option from the one-yard line on fourth and goal.
2: You're talking about here? It it was was in
1: Athens. It was in Athens, 2013, because South Carolina beat them, what, three years in a row or something? And that was a close game. But it was Shaw, Mike Davis to his right, and they run a speed option. And I'm like, you don't think you can get three feet – Dude. Just under center? I mean, sure. why do you start five yards behind where you need to get? I mean, it makes no
2: sense. Oh, I, I, I'm right with you. I'm more of a traditionalist. <laughs> right. We're closer to here. than Like five my yards grandpa back. used to say, yeah. if we can't get a yard here, we don't deserve it. Sure. We just don't deserve it. Oh, I mean, man, I, again, my freshman year, talk about, uh, you, know, terror, you know, it was just, God, misfortune. I mean, Georgia yeah. here at home. I mean, yeah. David, we made David Pollitt. David Pollitt became a household name against us. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the crazy part is, is we still should have won that ball game. Yeah, you know, same thing. Guess what? Ended up running a triple option pitch to the fullback and fumble. Fumble, Yeah, but even I went to so my nephew plays for Mallard Creek, they just got Mm -hmm. done playing Dutch for right. So, went over there, and believe me, they hit uh, they hit one. I think even while I was there, you know, for the brief period that I was, heck, I think I saw them throw out three trick plays, right? Well, they did one. On their own, one yard, <laughs> backed up, and I mean, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't suspecting it at right, all, but right. straight up, they are six, five yards back, he's <laughs> in the middle of the end zone, catch a shotgun, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> show me like just like, oh my gosh, just the risk, you know. But sure enough, he throws a throws a little flare pass to the receiver, and he catches it. And it's a double pass. I,
1: I feel like it's got to be he, really, oh my gosh, it's got to be funny for you though, watching all this, and it's like you literally played in an offense that was the wing T with, with Holtz. I mean, not oh, primarily, yeah. but, like, I, I mean, it, I remember run. the, what, the 2001 Bama game when Petty rolls out, hits Rod Travers. <laughs> I mean, they're in the – they literally T, go from T five formation. wide to the T formation. Yes. Like, you literally went in an offense that was yes. – and now you have teams doing, like, stuff like that. Oh, for sure. Like, Coach Holtz would have an aneurysm. Like, oh, no doubt. Oh. What, no
2: I, doubt. Honestly, I, I can't remember now. That's even, to me, I think with Bama. Yeah, Coach Saban, Yeah, he's 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 he wants to run, control yeah. the clock. He has the even offense. opened
1: up his game a little bit, for sure. And, but,
2: Spurrier opened up his game
1: too, though a lot. Sure. Oh I yeah, mean, he
2: went from I, and that's when we started doing a bunch of right. shotguns. And stuff.
1: then I think he learned to run and let defense win versus air it out and score fifty and win.
2: Oh yeah, well, and he'd be the first to tell you that. Even when it was just like hey, all the time, he's just like we had like 1200 yard rushers before Yeah, and it's the truth because, dude, my. Probably one of my favorite plays that I always loved, you know, running with him were the draw plays. Right. Eye formation draw plays yeah. where quarterback takes the snap and his eyes are down right, here, right. just looking deep, and people are automatically dropping in a little just handoff to the back. You know, it just allows linemen to get to that second level, man, right. and allows your backs to get you know into open field. And believe me, even one of the best blocks I had, which it's not on the ESPN telecast, <laughs> I'd have to get the game film to see right. the of it. But when well, we beat Clemson up. And it was the touchdown to take the either take the lead or a tie when mm. we beat him up there in '06. Mm. No joke, it was a draw play. Mike Davis got and I mean mm. I caught this Clemson player with I mean just shot my <laughs> hands and I just caught him with one foot on the ground and I mean I caught him and just I mean, put him <laughs> on the ground and it was just because I mean he was he was in backup like, right, he wasn't right. ready for it and all of a sudden he put one foot in the ground it was the same time my hands hit his chest plate.
1: That was the '06 game, right? Oh, was that yeah. the one where Davis came back, stepped back in, yeah. and spun, yeah, over yeah. The,
2: spun over? Right, the yeah, That
1: were. was his thing, too. Davis, oh, he yeah. he just loved to jump. Jo- you remember it? It killed us in '07 against oh. Georgia when he fumbled oh. it. Yeah, man. And oh, that was honestly, another game no. against Georgia we should have won. Oh, against Georgia. Or no, that oh, was '06. What was that? Six. Because '07 was in Athens. We won that one. So it was '06. It was '06. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, because I think we lost eighteen nothing. But you want to talk about the squad? Yeah. That year too. Yeah. Well, like Matt I, Stafford's
1: first game – or man, first game starting they, I mean, against
2: – They had – the DNs were uh, Charles Johnson and – Yeah. Oh, it was Quentin something. I
1: can't Quentin Nelson
2: maybe or Quentin
1: – I don't know. I don't, Thomas I'm, Nelson something yeah like Yeah, that. But yeah I, I'm I mean, guessing. Both
2: dudes. Right. I mean, that year, I think even that year, I remember looking up, I think – South Carolina, we played against like six of the top DMS that year. Right, you know that went in the draft.
1: You, 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 uh, oh, Iron dude. Sharp and Iron, you got good that year. Oh man, <laughs> you, when, honestly,
2: you, I, you talk about just even the difference in the experience of just the pure exposure. And, and I mean, honestly, looking at even South Carolina schedule this year, why it is so tough? I mean, I'm not joking. You go from one week, you play Mississippi State, we won, got a great win. All of a sudden, it's a film. Yeah, it's Kentucky. You're sitting there watching, and they're like, all right, this dude's probably gonna be a First, second round draft pick, and you're like,
1: no big deal. There's no break. There's just no breaks. Like you can lose every week.
2: Zero, and I mean that's, the, and it is. That's why it makes it such the best conference out there. I mean, it's a there's NFL talent every Saturday on the field, and I mean much less we got App State coming in here too. Like sleep I mean, on the Mountaineers, man. I mean, be football, and that's going to be. I mean, with all due respect to the their mountains. program,
1: that's going to be like their Super Bowl day. I mean, it's going to be that game they have circled that I mean? deep
2: in the year. Too. I mean, it is that can be a setup game, like no, 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 no matter how the year's going, whether it's going great, going bad, that game is, and right before Clemson, I believe. Too, yeah,
1: right? yeah, it's App State, A and M, Clemson, but so it, it falls in a place where I agree with you. It's like,
2: <laughs> oh, dude, it's
1: dude. So let me, because you've been in a locker room. I mean, Will champ they everybody says the right things, and mm-hmm. I, I like the approach every sure. week is a season, which. Sure. you know it's it's funny I cannot even compare it this way but I do is like when I'm making content it's like it really is like it takes all your focus that one week takes all your focus sure. but but like the guys in the locker room like are you guys sitting there before the season like we better win that one like we can't like do you look at it the same way as like a fan does the hey, schedule you know, and I stuff think,
2: I mean honestly I think you definitely look at the schedule ahead of like where it is right you know where you're going to be playing <clears throat> but like I remember saying even our senior year when we were six and one then again ended up being six and six but at the beginning of the season, and just looking at our schedule, going, yeah. you know, through, <laughs> through the first quarter of the season, I was like, we got a great chance of being three and one, four and o, right? You know, and it ended up being that way. You know, first loss was against LSU. Mm-hmm. That's when Jasper got hurt and stuff, and then right. we were, you know, kind of sputtering those next couple of games. But even this year, I mean, it, it, it doesn't stop. But the way I look at it is, even as tough of a schedule it is. Than an opportunity for the program. Mm. Like, yeah. Beat him with anyways.
1: Right. Yeah. That's what I want to. I, I want to move into that now. The 2019 team. You know, everybody, obviously, the entire conversation, all mm-hmm. offseason, which just so happy that football is going to start Saturday. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to just keep talking about these sure. same narratives like <laughs> sure. over, but the schedule is the thing everybody wants to talk about. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. UNC Charleston Southern, but you play teams like Bama, Missouri, Kentucky, Florida, AM, Clemson. I mean, the schedule is what the schedule is. But, I mean, I'm sure you, being a player, I know the players in that locker room are looking at, like you mentioned, more of an opportunity. Because from what I've heard from people, Mm -hmm. there's nobody in that building saying, oh, the schedule's tough. Let's hope
2: we go six and six, seven and five. Like, they're trying to win a title. That's the way they look at it. Right, and that's what they've been building for. Right. You know, I, I think everything that they've done, and, you know, Coach Muschamp has a great way of tying those kids in. I mean, there's no doubt about it you know, position it is in where the program's at now, how it's grown, where the depth is, and just hearing such the positive energy coming out of it. I couldn't agree more. I mean, when it comes down to it, yeah, things are taking week to week. Mm. But in the grand scheme of things, I look at the schedule and I'm just like, man, that's my thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, like people are like, oh you can take three that you know, three three losses here or four losses right. here. And I'm just kinda like, all right. That's the possibility of three. Right. But outside of that, that,
1: that's see, and that's something to me that's really easy to say in the offseason. Like, I, I was, I was talking and about, you don't
2: know what teams are going to be. I was, the
1: season gets I mean, look at the way Florida looked. I mean, you know, I, I don't know, you know, people ask me, like, do you think we're going to beat Florida? I'm like, you know, from now to November is a long time and if teams can get better, they can get worse. But I mean, Florida looks pretty beatable to be the eighth best team in the country. I mean, yeah. that's so, I mean, I agree with you. And it's something I said last week is that you know because people were talking about what are the expectations for the program and people are doom and gloom about the season and I'm like it's really easy in May and June to say how tough the schedule is and if we go six and six that oh this and that but I'm like I promise you when it's December 1st if we've gone six and six there ain't gonna be nobody there are gonna be more people want must chance job than are gonna be happy with a six and six year
2: right. promise you oh I, the, the number I keep thinking about I'm like to me, even if we go eight and four,
1: right, which I think would be a really good year, really good. I call
2: year. that ten wins,
1: right? I mean, that's 10, it is it is the trajectory the program's headed in a great direction. If you go eight 100%. and four with a ninth, you have a possibility of a
2: ninth win in a bowl game. Like right. that's a great year, right? And I think even even when it comes down to it, even from a fan aspect, obviously alumni now looking at it and stuff too, it's just like, man, you know, obviously support those kids more than mm-hmm. anything that would – you know that. You know that that's one of the things that even drew me here right. was the the fans' passion for their and the love for their gamecocks. Mm. I mean, honest to goodness, it really is, and it's seeing those kids come out there now, man. I mean, and believe me, USC Chapel Hill, believe me, I grew up in North Carolina. Right, like I'm pumped as anybody for the first <laughs> game to come off, You know, and it is. It's just the I, I, only thing I can keep thinking of. is just like it, it's like what's so exciting about we're going to get to get know. Some new kids, mm-hmm. yeah. Some new stars, some guys that are gonna step up to the plate, be able to show and showcase what they can do as a player, right. and that's what's exciting. And honestly, seeing to come first circle because as we've talked about, they got depth now. Like, man, I'm I'm ready to see us start dominating some Yeah, like that's that's yeah. what's exciting. I mean. It it's could so start this Saturday. Could, just, I mean, because
1: I mean you I mean I've start, obviously started to dive into UNC pretty heavily. I mean, mm-hmm. you, with all due respect, you know, I, I, Matt Brown's a good coach. I'm mm-hmm. sure he'll have success there. But, sure, I mean, you just look at their roster and they're too deep. And you, I mean, there's not a position to me where I'm like, they have the advantage over us. Right. Here. There's just not one.
2: I right. Mean, and, and, and especially when it comes, even like I said, even an experience standpoint. Mm-hmm. And
1: I think they said they have three offensive linemen on their O-line to have a combined one start one out of these three dudes i mean that's that's a whole side of your line
2: and that's oh yeah
1: <laughs> you know that's that a big is, deal i mean i feel I'm like starts sure in the line are as valuable as anywhere yeah, we
2: were probably there two years ago three years yeah. ago mm-hmm. you know and i mean it is it's literally they are going to be going through the shuffle of figuring out
1: mm-hmm. and meanwhile south well carolina's got their best defensive line i'd say they had since 2013 right. we can
2: actually now rotate right you know and keep that same intensity with each line that rotates in mm-hmm. you know that's and that's what's about i mean my big thing, even when it comes to football, and I tell people, I'm like, it don't matter how the game changes, right? It all starts on the line of scrimmage, right? Period. Like O line to D line. I agree, that's where it's going yeah. to be one.
1: Mm-hmm. So, no, I agree. I, I think people miss that a lot, but because uh, and I think because the casual fan, I, I've done it as well, but I mean, people oh, want to blame the quarterback or blame someone, let's just talk offense. Whereas, it's like, well, you don't see that this guy missed this block, which led to this play not That's working. Right. Like, people don't – you just don't – unless oh, yeah. it's a blatantly obvious whiff, Man. a lot of times fans just don't see that.
2: Right. And, I mean, and the constant strive to have a successful play, I mean, I can't care how many times you can watch him and just be like, erase that guy. Right. Erase that guy there. Right, you know, right. imagine if that guy's blocked.
1: Mm, you know, yeah.
2: if you did your job, imagine where we would be right, right. now. You know, and it's – but that's the game of football, right? It's inches as far as where the football is crossing the goal line, but also too, where's hand placement, hat placement, mm. footwork, all that stuff. All those details matter.
1: When, when you look at South Carolina's running game a year ago, because they added Tavian Feaster, obviously, mm-hmm. which is Rico's listed as RB1 for this game. I mm-hmm. fully expect though it's going to be those two guys. Sure. Sort of whoever gets hot is going to run with that job, you know, overall. But either way, they're both going to play, but, See, that was the thing to me that was sort of frustrating last year. I thought that we had as good an offensive line as we'd had in a while. Sure. Like, I mean, we, we had some dudes up there. And like when you look at the South Carolina run game, and even looking at it for this year, mm-hmm. is it more so? Do you think it's more so that South Carolina's missing that back? Or is it the offensive line's not just not run blocking as good as I think? Or I'm sure a I, combo of the both?
2: You know, it's probably a combination of the both. I right. mean, on, and when it comes down to it, because right. obviously running back has keys. Right. Oh, linemen have keys. Calls. There's just responses. so much that goes into oh, it that gosh. we just and don't when, even realize. Especially along the offensive line, man. Right. Oh, linemen don't get stats. Right. 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 Yeah.
1: <laughs> they don't. And you, you only know, hear about them when they're bad. Right. Like, you know. So you know. I,
2: to me, what what is so encouraging is how much experience. Mm-hmm. And I learned that even yeah. when I was under Coach Wolford and stuff. That the first year he was here under Coach Spurrier and stuff. I mean, honestly, that's what it did. I, I literally think that first year we had. 11 or 12 different starting offensive lines right literally yeah and there was oh, yeah. one person that i think actually played through the majority of that and he was a freshman i was tj johnson yeah everybody else
1: who turned out to be a pretty good one. Oh my gosh yeah. i mean he was
2: the true freshman yeah you yeah. know and but it was and what it created to me was it created a mentality with those kids that they got to show up every single day ready to work ready to compete and they got to stay ready because guess what if that guy busts his job next guy's rolling up going in mm. Now I think that's what's great about now. All of a sudden, depth—you got game experience. Right. You got people that have been out there when the bullets start flying. It's only to me—it it only is like destined for success, right? But also, too, obviously, I it, run, the ball. run to, the ball
1: to be comfortable with your O line. How many would you say? You need eight, nine guys? I mean, what, like oh, that you yeah. can depend on. I, I mean, what do you? I mean, what's the number? I mean, I should, I mean as many as you can get, obviously. But 100%. to be like, we are set with our offense line depth wise.
2: I think a lot of it is—it's about building that experience and depth. We're Experience depth, not
1: just depth, but right. experience depth. That guys are dependable. To and me, play.
2: eight is not okay. Right. You need like twelve. Right. You know, you need to have two full offensive line, and then you got a couple guys that can be playing plug. But in this conference, it's just as like the D line. I'm sure there's you need to have three solid D lines. Right. Offensive line, you need about the same because right. the same sense. Now, don't get me wrong. Obviously, you'd love to have the same five starters that are going to start against North Carolina. Right. To come through here but but you got to keep them fresh i mean you got to gotta keep them fresh and you got to keep people smart and guess what if people aren't playing week to week, right it's opportunity for the next guy right you know iron sharpens iron type deal man. Right. And, and again that's the only way you're going to keep growing competing mm-hmm. having success you got to prove it every day right every day you have to prove that
1: i love that we can talk offensive line because to me one of the biggest storylines that's not being talked about is the center position with hank manos H-M-M. you know because i mean being honest, he did not look great in that bowl game. I know he was a kid that he wrestled in high school, came yep. in kind of underweight. I don't think he was really ready, mm-hmm. per se. But, I mean, Under Armour All-American, he's got the talent. Sure. So, I mean, I'm not sure how much you've gotten to watch specifically his game. And I know that they've said that, you know, worst-case scenario, Donnell could move back to the center position. But, sure. ideally, you want Hank to be that guy. And, yep. I, from what I've heard, he's put on a ton of weight. Looks yep. like a beast now. Like He's yep. ready to go. I mean, what – because I feel, you know, again, I'm not a guy that's an offensive line expert. I know that the, the center is the quarterback of the offense. Sure, line. absolutely, like,
2: got to know. I mean, you are right. Setting, and blocking. Schemes. That's so important. I feel like it's 100%. just, yeah. and I mean, and everybody does it separate. I mean, from you know, sometimes the tackles are the ones in control. Right. You know, right. again, it could be all type of game plan type right. things. But that center position, man, that's where it starts. Right. Well, that's that's what I
1: think of the team is You guys had a good one, Chris. Yeah. I thought Chris oh, White I was a really man. good off uh, center, oh my gosh, and then T.J. Yeah. Johnson. He became T.J. was. Really I mean, good. it's and yeah.
2: honestly, I mean, really, that if you find a good center, you can have a solid right communication, just understanding what needs putting to guys in the right spot. It's just a hundred percent. It's just right. like a linebacker being able to make sure people are alignment in, in gaps, probably. Right. Um, but really with uh, but Hank, yeah, I I, I met him was probably a year and a half ago, two years when he was mm-hmm. still out at shaping and stuff. And it was just very and more of a handshake mm-hmm. about it. But yeah, I mean, he is a good looking kid. Right. You know, just athletic. Obviously he was a wrestler. And believe me, I didn't wrestle in high school, but there's nothing more that I could advocate for mm-hmm. big big people to go <laughs> wrestle. In a lot of ways, it, right. it was something that I didn't learn when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, it was so much about low men wins, low men wins, low men wins. You know, keep your head up, low men wins. Right. Try you know, in front to where all of a sudden how the terminology changes. who's inside and in front, who's Mm -hmm. inside and who's low, you know, and that's all it is, but it's leverage. And I mean, the skills that kid has is even a wrestler, right. He could be something scary. Good. You know, and, and that's where you do have, I mean, even as I've talked to again, when I've spoken to kids that are in college or, you know, they're on their way through that college experience, first and foremost, you gotta learn your job. Mm. Don't learn your job. You can't play fast, right. You know, and you have to you know. You can't play fast, can't hand. play. I mean, That's right. this is period. You can't be going, oh, yeah, what's yeah. going on. I mean, you've got to be able to react. Right. And again, a lot of that sometimes happens with maturity reps, but even also too, you know, just even the knowledge that the player has, mm-hmm. you know, and even as the game continues to evolve and how many people are involved with youth sports and youth football and just the dynamics of the game and how it's evolved. Right. Some of these kids, you know, come in where they have that, but, shoot majority don't you know you come in here all of a sudden a bunch of terminologies you got right. 10 run plays being installed and you know five different protections and this is all on day one and you're right. like oh my god like, how am i gonna you know i feel like know, it's blatantly
1: obvious too like who does and does not know the playbook like you cannot hide from not know, knowing the playbook you,
2: yes you will stick out like a sword right and you'll get exposed yeah you know and i think that's where that's where the difference even as a coach's evaluation of you know talking about the whether you know efforts there or not a lot of it's more of like is he doing his job is he missing assignments right you know
1: film does not lie
2: Mm -mm, (laughs) lie, (laughs) it it is the best tool and it will expose you right you know it will i mean everybody sees the same film and believe me that was even (laughs) you know it was just something again because i was more primarily of a blocker and stuff i was like but that was the big thing i took pride in like you didn't want to be called out in the film. Room. I'd love seeing myself dominate somebody on film. People being like, hey,
1: right. Be
0: like, good job. Man.
1: Yeah, I know. Well, because I, I know Spurrier would be one to call it. Because I mean, I've oh, countless guys I've talked to on the show that oh, just yeah. Spurrier was the king of why'd fast you, forward or wine, not even looking. why would you do that?
2: <laughs> step yeah. left, he went right, and I took a bad second step. You know, he's uh yes, the why question. Why'd you? Why'd you do that? <laughs> well,
1: oh so, so this season, I, I just want to ask you, what is it that you are looking for from this season? Whether it be, is it a record? Is it, like, progression? over the, Like, when you're talking – we're talking about this 2019 season, the one thing that – most important thing that you want to see in the 2019 season?
2: I mean, to me, just even the start part of it's definitely progression. I mm-hmm. think, yeah, as a whole, you want to see, like we said earlier, you want to see the program moving in the right direction. Right. But I think even seeing the growth process, even as us as a team program, Let's put complete games together. Yeah. You know, let's play from the first quarter through the fourth quarter. Like, believe me, I'd love to see us go out there and just dominate people. Right. I mean, just – I remember even – I think it was my first year as a GA upstairs. Same thing. We had Southern Miss. Mm-hmm. Southern Miss. obviously. Oh, nine, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. game. Smaller yeah. school, but they're – you know, they've always – Had Larry Fedora's as head coach. Yeah. Fedora was the very head coach. Yeah. You watch them on film from last film, and you're like, holy smokes. Like, mm-hmm. This is going to be a great test. I right. mean – Season yeah. opener to sit and push over. right? And we go out there and whip them it to nothing, right? I remember like,
1: Garcia had a good one, good game oh yeah. that day, really good game, and
2: and it was just kind of like, okay, you know,
1: yeah. uh,
2: you okay. know, it's, it, it's nice having games like that where right. you know you're executing, you're scoring, and you're the better team, and you should 100%. like, yeah. Oh, and it's believe me, I know. Ever since I've been here, there, I know we always are susceptible of playing down mm-hmm. to our talent. Mm-hmm and you know play up to the down for the big games and stuff and it is it, it is a hard thing to break but man you start winning mm. and you win a couple of those close games you want to talk about confidence through the roof that just gives you mm. that more yearning to succeed
1: you and I, I think South Carolina's got a chance to do that this year where you got UNC and Charleston Southern I mean we already talked about I think UNC and we can talk about that game in just a second but Again, I feel good about you. I mean, the I mean, I know I don't know if you're big in like Vegas lines or anything, but I mean, <laughs> the line has really jumped from South Carolina being a 7-point favorite to a 10-point favorite. I mean, I, people believing that sure. this team, you know, maybe South Carolina's is getting a little more credit now as we get
2: closer to kickoff, sure. but I mean, it's even the same thing. I mean, I was even thinking about like what, you know, score hmm. prediction for the game. I'm like, I could see a like 38, you know, 38-45 points. I, that's just an expectation mm-hmm. I think as us as a program where we should be. Kind of like, I mean, I fourth year, senior
1: be. quarterback, all these receivers, you know, should running, you got the, you got the weapons. Right. I mean,
2: you know, and that, I'm like, don't allow more than 17.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: I think that's 38, 17. Yeah. 45, that's, 17. That's a good, that's a that's good, that's like a where good where start of the season for yeah, sure. Heck yeah, Especially man. in the
1: first game. Like,
2: Oh yeah. And then uh, one, I think it's awesome too, that whole little throwback thing. That's
1: yeah. 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 Yeah, they already that, said they're wearing awesome those week man, two against Charleston yeah. Southern. I, they said it's replacing the black uniform, which is like they're going to wear them a Good. lot. So I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I was I was just going to say that. I mean, you got UNC Charleston Southern. I mean, the ability, like you're talking about, to get confidence, be two and zero. Bama's coming to town, and, and maybe game day again. I mean,
2: sure, and even the, never think, know. Even the same thing that we talked about before. The big thing is what helps you when you're succeeding at your scoring on possessions. You're blowing somebody else. Guess mm-hmm. what? Let's get our twos in there. Right, right, yeah. Let's get them experience, yeah. and it matters. You know, it mat. Believe me, it would be great to be against Charleston Southern, and it would be, yeah. you know, coming in second half, like thirty-eight you know, nothing, right, third the quarter. Like the ones like, are playing one or two series, you know, three, four series, and it's like, all right, let's start working on our other guys. So, right, you know, yeah, that's that's valuable
1: them. experience, yeah, and it's getting yeah. them out
2: there. And and it, again, it it's a different game. Yeah, playing from you can't guy simulate you know an on-field rep. Yeah, you never will. Well, now the adrenaline's yeah. pumping. Fans are out there, lights are on. It's the hardest thing to mimic, man.
1: Yeah, I think we probably agree. Kentucky's one that you got to win this year. That you just you can't like to me. You just can't realistically lose to Kentucky and still say, "Hey, the program's heading in the right direction." Like you just can't, man. Like fair or unfair.
2: Well, and I mean, honestly, just to beat Stoops. Yeah, Stoops was the coordinator at Florida State Mm -hmm. when we lost to them in Chick Fil A Bowl. Yeah, like he's had our number. And believe me, same thing. I'm right there with you. We got to be.
1: You got it. at home too. At, <laughs> yes. I think this one would be the most inexcusable loss. Not even a question.
2: Oh, yeah. Especially after what they're losing. Right. Oh, oh yeah. I mean,
1: I know some people are still kind of like high on Kentucky or think that. I mean, I personally, me, I think they're going to be probably a five or six win team at best. Sure. So it, you have to take advantage. Oh, like you just, any, there's any, no excuse, any team, man.
2: man. And, and it is. And it's any Saturday right. with this schedule, this conference, man. And that's even when you look at the road schedule, you're like, Man, like yeah. those are.
1: I mean, at Mizzou's a tough one, man. I that's what, at now, Georgia. That's I mean,
2: something else, though. That is something else I would like to see from the team is just the road, the yeah,
1: road. Being team. a road warrior. Man,
2: yeah. if there was, honestly, there's nothing
1: see, like going to somebody else's house and being.
2: you them. are on an island, right. Like, I know you got – we got fans that travel with us and stuff. and They're yeah. going to represent us. But, I them. mean, they're like – yes yeah. 90,000 other people yeah. There. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, to me, it was never a better feeling than being an underdog. Yeah. You ain't supposed to be there and win. You know, that's why – I mean, I, like I, just,
1: I remember 07 in Athens. You guys – get. I mean, that was a great feeling. Oh well, you could hear a pin drop I mean, walking out of that stadium. I
2: and mean, that game, I mean, honestly, even when we went up to Tennessee that year, yeah. like, we, it was 21 yeah. nothing at halftime. And we came back. Yeah, made it 24-21. Corey Boyd, great day. Yeah, man, man. had a great game. I mean, and, and and it wasn't. It just and it came back even against Florida. You know, Florida knows. set Yeah, yeah. When, when they won the national championship, dude. dude
1: I don't think I've ever been oh, more man. heartbroken.
2: Oh, it was uh, after
1: that. Like, dude, that was like I was. That was I'm. I'm, I'm man enough to admit. I was fifteen. I cried after that one. Oh, 100%. percent.
2: I'm almost five, I was a grown man. <laughs> and I cried after that game. I mean, it just it was. I mean, just but golly. Being on the road like that. Yeah. Making a place stick. And then you know, I was fortunate enough again.
1: Had that I, had that G-A. jet tree just when, demolished when we, the, when we beat old South buddy.
2: Carolina against Florida to you know to clinch the east.
1: Oh yeah. Twenty ten. Yeah. I
2: mean, five minutes left and the swamp is emptying. Yeah. Eight minutes left. We got our guys doing the gator I mean, chomp.
1: I mean, I mean yeah. yeah.
2: I'm hitting other G's like
1: yeah. you don't. Yeah. You don't see the swamp. It's a good feeling. Yeah, what? for sure.
2: I mean, and just again, I mean, to have the, the ability to go in there you against the world and you know that's the mentality you gotta have
1: i mean mm.
2: it's just y'all out there us against yeah. them you know
1: yeah no I, and i think the opportunity again i mean you think i mean another one at, at texas a&m i mean that's another i mean you can't can you you can't lose six in a row to those guys or right? i mean you just there there are some streaks that have to be broken this year right, right? and because like you're saying i i agree with you what we talked about earlier where it's like everybody talks about the schedule but it's like you don't know how good these teams are. like. We're all just assuming they're like, right. like Florida. We're, you know, and the AP poll is the biggest joke in the world. The mm-hmm. preseason poll because yeah. nobody knows really. Like, like you know, we all assumed that like Felipe Franks is. He looked like he'd taken a step back. To me, as a quarterback. Sure. And then he's t- he's jawing on the sideline like. I mean, oh, it's, you know, it, it, you're going to find out who people really are. Sure. And now, you know. a lot
2: of it is, based on where people are playing schedule lots. Yeah. Some people have a front load. Some people have a back load. Right. Now, obviously we don't. It is a full yeah. <laughs> <minutes>. <laughs> Full you thing. Know, you know, it is full. But I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I, I, it is just something that, you know, when you're in that locker, room, right. it is something game by game. Yeah. You know, it's it, it, just because that is what it takes. But Golly, I again m what an opportunity. And that's what's so exciting about it, in my opinion, with mm-hmm. the schedule. Like every just, game's a
1: big game. Man, isn't every it? game's like, a big game.
2: Who's gonna say something if we win every single one of those Yeah. Games? Like, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah, that would be fantastic. And I mean, it's just living from week to week, but man, that's the way I always just keep it. I'm just like, what an opportunity for those kids. Yeah. And you know, it's just a you know, a great chance for them to excel pull this program in the right
1: direction and that's I mean my prediction for the season seven and five but I I, and I feel like it's a safe that's a pretty safe prediction sure but and I've said that you know if you go if you go no worse than six and six the program is still on the right trajectory no harm no foul just get to a bowl game but I'm also in the same camp again like I said earlier that like, with the amount of opportunities you have to beat a ranked team, like, there's just no excuse. Like, you could run into a win over a ranked team this year. Like, sure. you have so many. You're probably going to play six of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, you you can't tell me it's just not going to be good enough to go through a season just beat the teams you should. Like, you look right. at last year, for example. I mean, granted, the Missouri game was awesome, I and mean, we had scarnecki on the show. Awesome. That, that was just a great moment. What? That was the best win of the year. I mean, that was the – when you're – you got to get higher quality wins. I, I you just and have to. That's,
2: and that's what's crazy to think about where you were, you know.
1: And, um, yeah. Florida. At Kentucky again at on Kentu- the road. And, and, yeah, and, and,
2: and all these games, honest to goodness, it was just self-inflicted stuff. Yeah. I mean, Florida. You think of
1: Florida. I mean, you're at 17 with four minutes left in the third quarter. I mean, yeah. we're that thinking game, we're icing that, that game, one.
2: That game hurt. Yeah. And honestly, I remember listening to it on the radio and just being like, Right, like second right. half starting 34 17 like hey let's put another score on there and then all of a sudden was thirty, you know yeah 21 24 right no again i i really think i'm excited to see just kind of how we are as a team how do we face that adversity
1: right. you got a record prediction or no i do want mean, put you um, in the spot no, but man, i mean i
2: mean honestly that's what i'm saying i to me
1: what would you, all right, let me ask you this then. What do you say is like the floor and the ceiling for this year? When you look, think
2: record-wise. I mean, floor, to me, floor seven and five. Yeah. That, to me, has to be four. Right. Now, I think eight and four right. is where I really, I just really think for some reason mm-hmm. I think we can really achieve. Oh, that. yeah. Um, And then, honestly, and it's not trying to sell even the guy shorts like anything else after that. Right. Won't take. You right, know? right. I mean, but, you know, it. To me, even playing in such big games against such big opponents, and obviously people like Alabama, Clemson, you know that are, you know where their programs are right now, you know that's the where the whole mentality changes where everybody's coming after them right. every week, yeah, you know, and that's just kind of that <clears throat> expectation. They know that they got to play their A game every week, or they upset you and knock right you off the front, but. We have three great opportunities, if not more. I mean, you have three great opportunities
1: to kind of we're welcome back. Like, South Carolina's back. Right. Like, you, you, you have those chances. And yep. that's, like, really all you could ask for. Because, sure. I mean, you could play an easy schedule, but you're going to be in the, it's like, what would you rather? You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, it's, if, like, it reminds me like, 2010 Bama. Like, that was the – we kicked the door open, like, we're here. South Carolina is right. here.
2: Right. You know and, what I mean? And, and I, I think even the guys in the locker room, like you said before, I would love to know kind of how they feel. They got to mm-hmm. be feeling confident every year when you go into a season, I man. You are right. You can look around the room and be like, "Yeah."
1: And you you see the guys them? you have. I mean, right. you know, yeah.
2: Well, I mean, yeah. The guys ain't dumb. You yeah, know, they, yeah, they, 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 yeah. You know, you know whether you're
1: on a good team or maybe right. not and so good don't of a team. Got
2: yourself a chance, and stuff right? Like that and I mean that's right.
3: You know, and really,
2: I think it's a great game that they do play up there, and I think it's awesome that they play up there in Charlotte. And stuff. Right. And I mean, what not a yeah, you know, star on national TV right. there. Alabama first CBS game of the season. Can you
1: can you imagine South Carolina beats Bama three and I mean, can can you? The I mean, because that's what's couches. great. Well, that's what's great. Yeah, seriously, I, I wish we could take the goalposts back now. But no, that, that's what's that is what is so great and interesting, but so great about college football is it's such a week to week game. Oh, because all this pre all this talk, all this offseason – season, all this off season talk, and I'm not, I am not predicting a win over Alabama. But it's like all this talk of this schedule. South Carolina beats Alabama. Just complete. Throw everything out. We've completely flipped the script. Sure. South Carolina's is an SEC East yep. front run. I mean, it's just yep. like the way you can change the whole narrative. Sure. All dynamic, that it's fast, changed. just oh, one yeah. game, does it?
2: And and you know, and it's fun to like, you sitting there, just how crazy, like you said, even the schedule. But that year that we went six and one, it was like that was like the year of being cursed, the six ranked team in the
1: country. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. That oh seven year was crazy it for was, everybody. I mean, I think it
2: was like seventeen. 17. Yeah that the week that they (laughs) turned number six, they lost that following week. Turned number six, they lost. And we were one of them, you know, but yeah, I mean, Alabama, Georgia, I mean, Clemson, I mean, again, fantastic opportunities. You know, we got depth. Hopefully we can stay healthy throughout the entire year. And, you know, it's just start off with a W. So you got UNC, what do you
1: got? Uh, 38-17 UNC game? You, that, you feel good with that? 38-17
2: is what I keep rolling yeah.
1: with. Yeah. I, I got 27-10. I, I think it'll be a, so I, I do agree with you. I think South Carolina is just a better team, man. I sure. just, and I think it's so important after the way the bowl game went in that same stadium to come out and just I mean, that's the that's right. to me the one of the keys to the game is just we got to start fast. Like yeah. we it, we got I mean, if we if we get the ball first, Let's go right down the field and score. If they get it, let's and get a turnover, or a three and out, like right. start quick.
2: And even – I think even coming off the aspect of just even seeing that growth, like let's let's put drives together. Yeah. Let's set the tone. Let's don't stall. Like, yeah. Let's put – and again, the punts are going to happen. Fourth downs and stuff, but like let's see us have the ball for right, a couple, right. couple downs. Right. You know, a couple series. Right. Um, but, you know, really I, it is – It. I think it's more of just – I don't want to say like it's an expectation, but it's right. more of like – just to me, eight and four just feels like. That's, yeah, no, I that agree. Next, I agree. I, next step.
1: Man. I mean, you, you know, again, eight and four, you feel really good about where the program's going. And again, sure. it, the, the the less wins you go, like I said, I mean, six and six, I would still tell fans, hey, this thing's headed in the right direction. But it becomes a lot harder to justify that sure. when you, I mean, and you've eventually, you just eventually. Ha- I wrote an article about this a couple months back. Like the signature wins, Holtz had one, mm-hmm. Spurrier had one, yep. and like most quarterbacks have those type of wins, like at some point, you've just got to I mean, you got to get that one. Yep. Like, you got to win a game you're not supposed yep. to, period. Yep. You just have
2: to. Yep. No, and when that, again, I'm talking about changing the face.
1: Change the culture, Change the way people we're look at it's South Carolina. It's, this is the
2: next step. You right. Know, we're
1: yeah. Back. yeah. Yeah. You I know? mean, that's – and I mean, because it's funny. I saw somebody on social media talking about, uh, you know, the expectations are low this year, but next year when the Halinski the era or whoever's at quarterback starts are going to be – I'm like, I think there's less of an excuse this year. You have the senior quarterback, you have the senior running backs, and you got the transfer. The wide receiver position to me, I think even without Debo, could be better than last year as far as just like one through five. Like, you've got the front seven. You've got the athletes in the secondary. Like, there's no excuse.
2: None. Yeah, yep. and I think that's the thing. I mean, you know, even with all, again, coaches or coaches, players or players, and I think that's what it's going to come down to. Believe mm-hmm. me, we can want it as bad as we want it as fans. Right. But guess what? There's eleven dudes at any one time that walks in between that lines.
1: And it's I, I, I like what you said though. It's about setting the expectation. Yeah, and I, I think they've done a good job of that. And I think yeah, they ex- absolutely they have right. I mean, because you I actually saw something in their building, you know, they have and you I know you're familiar with this when you have like an offensive board and for every game you have goals and you check sure. but I mean their goals, their yeah. games, their schedule, it goes all the way to the college football playoff. Yeah. Like they that is an ex- that's the expectation. That's what they're trying well, to no, do you know it's right. so and it's
2: great that you're achieving and setting goals that way too right. you know it's got you know even the life lesson in life i feel Ryan like spurrier
1: was like a big goals guy because he talked about that a lot he I did like. i
2: mean honestly he would from using when we had the first team beat he'd sit up there and he'd go on left side of the whiteboard right and he'd write one two three right, one, right. and right every single opponent up there and they'd stay there all year right we win them take the name away right we lose Take the whole thing away right you know but it was he he was very realistic about like all right this is what we want to try to achieve this year and this mm-hmm. is what we think we can do and it was it was just a snowball effect to, to build but you know again I, I I'd love to see our defense return yeah you know love to see our offense continue to make drives believe me I it wouldn't do anything but me if we were you know warm my soul if we we scored 45 points you know, and we're the more, the the yeah. <laughs> the more the merrier,
1: more the merrier. Like exactly. you said, let's see them twos and threes. Because I want you to know, to
2: me, that's that makes your opponents look at you and going, Oh, boy, yeah. You well, know, Andy, we, we got to be ready,
1: appreciate it, my man. Chris, awesome thanks, as man. always. Let's do Absolutely. it again sometime. Former You're Gamecocks sure. tight end, Andy Boyd. Like I said, very excited, man. It's all yeah. it's kickoff is here, yeah, so appreciate time. you tuning in. Appreciate you guys tuning in for Andy Boyd. I'm Chris Phillips. We'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs up show.